Greetings, everyone, and welcome to The Stacks. This is Jay. And I have just been invited to come drink with somebody, so I'm actually in the process of, I'm at the restaurant, I'm sitting down at the table right now, and somebody's bringing me my wine, and oh my god, it's handcuffs, and then I look (sighs) up and the waiter is Inspector Ike, and he's got a glass of champagne, you got me Inspector Ike, you got me, I'm your What was your crime? Uh, this joke. (laughs) You're under arrest for comedy crimes. Actually, that would totally fit in. in it would. Ike, but, uh, <laughs> we, we'll, we'll get to Inspector Ike. Oh, I, I, uh, very oh fun that was here. very fun. But so is, uh, so is Come Drink With Me. Our main feature, uh, the 1966 Shaw Brothers Wuxia, uh, directed by King Hu. Uh, this one's set during the Ming Dynasty, which I think is maybe a new setting for us i'm not really sure honestly it's hard to say but i'm super not an expert on that yeah uh, i just I mean, know it as kung fu time or, well, or wuxia one, time i i guess the, this one notably just seems to actually have a specific sense of place this one's a bit more concerned with realism than the typical wuxia or kung fu uh, a little bit I, I mean like it's sort of a bridge between the two in a weird sort it of way is. Because yeah. uh, this is 1966, so it's before uh, the kung fu genre really began. But uh, th- this one, I mean, obviously it's fantastical in some, you know, there there are supernatural things, uh, yeah, unquestionable magical of, uh, stuff. Yeah, I don't I don't quite understand. Uh, but there's also a little mm-hmm. bit of like wire foo or at least running up walls. Right. Things like that. But it, it is a bit more grounded in reality, too. Well, like, I, I think the big thing here uh, from looking at the extras on this, uh, th- this is the Aero disc we're watching. Uh, and th- they talk about the, the the main thing here is that it sort of divorces the wuxia genre a little bit more from its Peking opera roots. Uh, so, like, it's got more realistic costumes. They're not as uh, types. You know, they're, they're not quite the, the operatic types they, they were usually have been before. Right, right. And the battles, obviously, are more technical. There, there's a lot more just sword fighting in this one and martial arts. Uh-huh. Uh, like, you know, there, there is wire work and there's some palm power, uh, which we'll get to. But it's less so than just like people having big bloody battles with gouts of blood. <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, lots of lot, lots of lots of people ganging up on one person fights. Yeah. Or, or and trying that- to. Right, that that one person usually being able to take it. Oh, usually. Uh, so this was King Hu's final film for Shaw Brothers because he had just constant conflicts with uh, Run Run Shaw, uh, who uh, ran Shaw. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Run he, Run Shaw Run Shaw. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it, he uh, he like he he was a very uh, controlling guy. Like he he really kept everything under control on his studio. Uh, it, there was a real uh, Shaw Brothers style, as I think we've seen through the ones we, we've watched. We have, oh, definitely. This this fits in with that style, but I feel like it hasn't been it hasn't been as refined as it is with the later kung fu movies. Right. I feel like this one is a big influence on the later ones, but uh, in in various ways. Uh-huh. 
So under the opening credits, we see an armed procession, which is going through some hills with two prisoners. They they are there. There's <laughs> two prisoners and uh, the uh, Zhang Master Zhang. Yeah, the uh, the governor, or no, the the governor's son. It turns out, right. who of course we're going to assume is corrupt, but it turns out if he is corrupt, that's not part of the story. He doesn't really do anything other the, than be a damsel in distress. Yeah, and then yeah, the Zhang doesn't. Zhang is the princess in the castle. Yeah, and yeah. the actual governor we don't even see. We don't know if he's corrupt. I mean, he is because he's a governor, but that's doesn't come up. It, it never comes up. I mean, he he seems to probably be fine. His kids seem to be okay, or see, at least one of them that we seem, meet. Kids seem great. Yes, but. Uh, usually in these things, the governor or anyone involved in the government is usually the bad guys. Typically, although here there just really is no government. We're, we're yeah, sort of really. outside of that. Uh, although the the tip, the top mem- uh, the top uh, uh, person of authority does turn out to be a corrupt uh, later, but that's much much later. Yeah, that <laughs> that feels like the. Well, we'll get to we'll get to how I feel about that. Right. So uh, the the procession is stopped by these bandits led by Jade Face Tiger, uh, played by Chen uh, Chen Hung Le, uh, who uh, he's he's very interesting. So th- this the the white face makeup here. This was the first yeah. time this was done. Uh, yeah, that was that was interesting. I wasn't quite sure what they were trying to uh, what they were going for there, but this guy just looked like. Well, it looked like the type of person who, if you're a no-name soldier, you don't pick a fight with them because he's got like his all completely, totally clean, all white outfit, even though they're in like the dusty plains. Yeah, and he's got this white face makeup that yeah. just makes him look kind of ghostly. He does kind of look like a like yeah, like a almost a ghoul or a ghost or something. Yeah, and 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 he's clearly just not someone to mess with. Uh, so he walks up and he's like, "I have a letter for Master Zhang." Uh, and it's it's a ransom or or prisoner exchange demand. Uh, they're they're looking to release their leader, the first deadly tiger. Yeah. So the, I love the little prisoner transport carts. That's just <laughs> so great. <laughs> it's just a little cage on a two wheeled cart, uh, it, like a little box, and then the prisoner's head just sticks out of a hole in the box. It's so funny. It it, it feels like. It's so maybe people can throw stuff at them. <laughs> Probably. I mean, certainly if it were medieval times, that would be the purpose. I don't yeah, know that what would... it is here. I mean, it makes Everybody's... them easier to carry, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. And it makes for some uh, funny shenanigans later on when you realize right. that the most deadly of the deadly tigers is never in a position to be able to do anything. He's always just a head out of a box. Yeah. He's 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 nothing. Basically, he's a MacGuffin. They they never really free him from a box. So they're they're like, okay, look, you can speak with Shang. Go ahead. And he walks past them, and they're like, okay, we're we're gonna get him. And they, they like try to sneak up on him, which is rookie move. Uh-huh. Uh So we we reveal his special deadly weapon, his uh, fan darts. Yes. Now this is. <laughs> This is like he's yeah, it's like a fad it shoots out these darts and it's got like this special poison that just kills you really horribly. 
Yeah. And so like, it's interesting. It's like a a trick fan and it's just, you know, it's a, it's a big fan, but there is a spring loaded action. So it fires darts at people. Uh, And this one, like the dart instantly kills this guy. Uh, So I I guess it gets him in the heart or something. Cause usually it takes a little while. Uh, I guess how long it takes depends on how plot tough the recipient is. I think. Maybe. Oh, well, I don't know, because there's someone who is uh, writhing in agony from from well until they're put out of their misery, and they don't even have a name. So. Oh, yeah. Uh, but like, obviously, you know, a battle begins. We we have <laughs> uh, one guy and a whole train of armed guards. But of course, these these guys with their spears come at him and. A bunch of archers just appear over the crest of a hill and take them out. It's like, oh, yeah, I've I've also got these guys to back me up, despite, you know, obviously being tougher than any of you. This feels like a bunch of the different Westerns, actually, that we've watched oh, over yeah. the last few weeks. Like, well, I'm going to have to unload you of your cargo. <laughs> well, we outnumber you. Oh, shit. Well, it's it's you know as we know the uh, the spaghetti westerns were heavily influenced by right. yeah, Japanese by like, cinema mm-hmm. because like uh, 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 Fistful of Dollars is is a remake of Yojimbo. Right, right, <laughs> yeah. So so it's kind of all there, yeah. It's all there, it's, there's a lot of intermixture same, between them yeah in this same era similar DNA. Right, because this is a couple years after Fistful of Dollars, but yeah, uh, but... you know, definitely they're they're all sort of working in that same genre. They all have that, you know, a, a bunch of riders revealing themselves over the crest of a hill. That's like uh, Kurosawa is, is sort of heavily credited with popularizing that. Oh, okay, I, I didn't know that was originally him. I mean, I don't think it's originally him. It yeah. probably goes back to. Maybe even D.W. Griffith in like the teens, but oh, could yeah, be. I, sort of I popularized no it in the the modern Western and uh, Eastern, you know. Mm-hmm. So we have a big battle, of course. Yeah. Uh, bloody, you know, people. There, there's a great shot where someone uh, lops a hand off, and we we just see the like splash of blood, and the guy grab the hand and come away with a severed hand. <laughs> yeah. I really like that. <laughs> yeah 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 this is a lot uh, also a lot bloodier even than uh than your average kung fu film right because it's it's kind of just sword battle so yeah you, you so there's always some kind of slash or cuts or people getting run through yeah or stabs uh, in the eyes and i guess especially after last week with our you know, uh, all ages Western of backlash, which, you know, <laughs> despite being a little noir and weird and sexy. Uh, yeah, that was pretty tame in ter- as the violence tame. goes. Certainly, like like you Puff said, when you were watching. Exactly. This one, you, you feel it. There's a lot of blood. There's, uh, you know, bloody limbs. People get killed a lot. So the the prisoners, whoever they are, are freed. I don't really know who these guys are. I don't know if that's ever addressed. But more importantly, they capture Zhang. Yeah. So wait. So did they end up freeing the the main head tiger? No, these are just some random. Oh, prisoners oh no, that that. So the they head had tiger some random prisoners there. Else. Yeah, because oh, that's so what they they do immediately. They they take Zhang back to their their place and they're torturing him. They're like, yeah, where is our leader say. being held? 
Okay. So well, obviously, right. it's, you know, yeah, some other obviously, I have no idea who they are. Them. Yeah, right, right. Okay, so but, these are just randos. Yeah, gotcha. I have no idea. But uh, they, you know, they're torturing him. And he, they're, they're like, we want you to write the governor, who turns out to be his dad, uh, to exchange him for their leader. And he's like, listen, my dad is just not going to do that. He won't let your leader go, uh, even to save me. It's like, well, but you're his son. You think he's going to put his country before his son? Yeah. Like, yeah, definitely. He will. And I would, too. Yeah, so number three guy, Smiling Tiger. <laughs> this guy. I like this guy a lot. This guy, just his face is great. Well, he is the Smiling Tiger. He's <laughs> he's really got that big smile. He, he really he really makes it express a lot of different things, too. Mm-hmm. So he, he ghost writes the note. He's like, he, he writes to the governor. It's like, okay, you have five days before we're going to kill your son and burn your house down. Uh, and if you send soldiers, we will kill your son. Right. And they're, they're like, yeah, that, that'll work. And the, the only thing is like, but what if he sends Golden Swallow, though? Oh, yeah. And then and uh, and Jade Tiger's like, hey, hey, uh, who's Golden Swallow? Right. And then we it's it's like we we get this shot of Golden Swallow coming into town and she like twirls and looks into the camera like, man, my ears are burning. Is someone talking <laughs> about me around here? And she goes straight to where they are. She goes to the inn. The bad guy bar. Yeah. Uh, King who loves an inn. Uh, this is part of what uh, is typically referred to as King Who's Inn Trilogy. Uh, there's also Dragon Inn, which I've also seen is very good, uh, and Fate of Lee Khan, which I have not. Actually, yeah, yeah, I guess pr- most of this film takes place in or around an inn. Yeah, like, I, I would say the whole first act of it from here is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, this bar fight is that's coming up is long. <laughs> it, it has multiple phases. Right. Yeah. Uh, and she she comes in and she orders tiger bone wine. <laughs> I, I Now, there's there's a couple different ways to, to interpret this, and all of them are awesome. One is that, like, in this universe, you actually make wine out of tiger bones. What the fuck? Or two, that's just an absolutely ridiculous request to basically say, hey, I'm here to kill the deadly tigers. Yeah, I think it's the latter. Uh, I think it's the latter, too, but... Because he's confused, but it also seems like a threat. Oh, yeah. Because, like, she's surrounded by tigers at this point. The 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 deadly tigers are, are the... It's the tiger gang. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Golden Swallow, Cheng Pei Pei, uh, you know, the, this is sort of her big star-making performance. She's most known now for being the villainous in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, where she was... Gotta watch that again. Pretty great. Yeah, good movie. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> sorry, go ahead. She she comes in and uh, number three is there, uh, smiling tiger and like the the two guys, uh, and they they go up to him. It's like we followed him all the way, and we realize him. <laughs> yeah, so so oh. she's golden swallow is currently. And you can't tell this at all, but she is currently disguised as a man, apparently. Yeah, it's like she's not really so much male disguised as presenting male attitude. Yeah, we we discussed this a little bit in our chat. It's like 
my theory, we, we both kind of said the same ish thing at the same time. I said that, uh, that, oh, well, this person dresses like wears man clothes, like, like a soldier or something. So, or like a traveling swords man. So must be men because women can't wear man clothes. And you basically said the same thing, like about a forceful personality. So it must be man. Well, yeah, yeah I, I feel like that's the whole thing is she is just presenting the attitude of being a man because she is not willing to uh, take any shit from anybody and is, uh, you know, walking forcefully into an inn where there's a bunch of criminals and, and like, hey, I want uh, this bizarre thing uh, that is kind of insulting to all of these villains who run this town. Like. Mm. You know, it, it's it's immediately a sort of thing like, well, th- this has a male energy uh, for this period. Can't be a woman doing that. Right. Uh, and uh, smiling tight. Number three, I, I the, the whole time because there's five <laughs> of these guys. Uh, I kept Only thinking two of. Matter. Well, I kept thinking of Earthbound. Uh, oh. and the moles and just number three <laughs> like I'm the truly the third strongest master of this whole. Uh, kind of ringing through my head throughout the my times because like you know I, i'm writing down notes number three uh but yeah he, he's never smiling tiger he signals everyone by just opening up his fan with like a graphic of a tiger on it and like everyone gets up and pulls out swords like i love it it's like so subtle too <laughs> or so not actually subtle I, I just imagine he's holding up a big sign that says Hey, this girl or guy is the one we're trying to kill, so let's do it this way. And he just has a series of different fans. Well, like he just has this fan and it has a picture of a tiger on it. She's already referenced them as being the tigers uh, with her opening (laughs) salvo. Like she obviously knows who they are. Him, like he he may as well have hold up a sign that says attack, but I I still like it. It's. It's a good choreographed moment of just everyone getting up at the same time quietly uh, behind her back. And she obviously knows that they're doing it. Uh, it it kind of reminds me of Kill Bill, or rather, I feel like Kill Bill, Kill Bill. does this a bit. Yes. Uh, I like it because they're just like, the, the thugs are like talking to each other at first. They're like, hey, you need... S- get me some wine so like the other one like throws a huge jug of wine but throws it at her and she just flaps it aside and smashes and smashes another thug with it well that's a little bit so first she actually talks to uh smiling tiger oh like, oh, that's they, they have right. a bit of a conversation first because like she's asked for wine a couple times and they they keep not giving it to her. One of the interesting things there's lightning flashing constantly outside the whole movie. Oh yeah. Whenever they're inside, there seems to be lightning flashing, especially in this scene and uh, a later scene uh, where it, like it, it seems like anytime anyone's at the inn, there's lightning, but no thunder. Yeah, I never noticed it because because there is no thunder sound, and it only it doesn't seem to ever happen when they are outside. It's usually emphatic, like it's it's between moments when something dramatic happens. It's interesting because yeah. there's there's not that much emphasis on it, but it's a lighting choice. I don't know. <laughs> but like she she talks to Smiling Tigers, like okay, I want to talk to you about the letter, uh, because he's again trying to negotiate a prisoner exchange, and she's like, no, nah, nah, I, I don't think so. 
but listen, Zhang is my brother. Uh, and uh, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm not really uh, cool with you guys having him. And this is when someone throws the wine. Right, okay. And she just effortlessly volleys it back. <laughs> it's like a, with like a flick of her finger. Yep. And then we have all the coin tricks. Oh yeah, yeah. Where the thugs are like trying to throw coins at her, but still kind of really shittily disguised that that's what they're doing. Well, it's weird because like they are throwing coins directly at her. Uh, like there's this guy, White Face Wolf. He's the guy who throws the jug, and then he throws coins. And she catches the first bunch of them all on a hairpin. She, like, picks them out of the air. Because <laughs> they're the coins that have the the hole in them, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, someone throws a bench, and she just slaps that out of the <laughs> she air. She slaps the bench into a dude. <laughs> it's like, why don't you take a seat? Slap. And, and there's two more guys throwing coins, and she, like, throws a bunch of darts that catch them, and they stick into roof beams and, like, <laughs> slide off of the darts, and she catches them on her fan. <laughs> and, and then doesn't she, like, like flick the coins or throw them into a wall? Yeah, because, like, one of the dudes leans in and he's like, brother, you better give me back my money. And she says, take it. And like, yeah, that's right. Hurls them and they, they stick into the wood in a swallow pattern. Oh, I didn't notice the pattern. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, okay, down to business. Come on. I'm here for Zhang. And I'm also going to take you number three. I'm, I'm taking you with me. Uh, we'll, we'll maybe consider a lighter sentence. I don't know. And he's like, well, you have to meet with uh, Jade Face Tiger first. And it's like, I'm not into that. <laughs> no, I don't She's so. super not into Jade Face Tiger. And Smiling Tiger flashes his fan again to signal everyone again. And, like, they're about to strike. And then, like, someone closes the door on Drunken Cat's hand as he's coming in. Which, I gotta say, as an introduction, also a very cat move. <laughs> it's absolutely a cat move. So this guy, uh, we later learn, is called Drunken Cat. He's he he first presents himself as you're just your typical, you know, your your drunk character in one of these guys who's a little who's a little too stupid, bumbling, stumbling, drunk, and and like he's at the door. He's like, you you have to let me in. I need some wine. And they're like, dude. Come on, we're we're trying to have like a freaking in battle here. And and well, you know, of course, and he's got his paw stuck in the door. And, yeah, meow, meow. <laughs> come on, I I I have to be in. Uh, and in or out, in or out. And he like they they finally open the door, and he kind of like slowly saunters in, and it's like okay, and he walks up to him, like, hey, innkeeper, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> It's, it's a very good introduction to uh, the, the sort of chaotic energy of the character. Very both drunken and cat-like. In a way, he kind of reminds me of the cat from, uh, what's it called? Red Dwarf. Red Dwarf, a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like similar kind of energy, if not, if not, like, if, if even if they aren't the exact same character. Right, but right. Yeah, he's basically like, oh, can I watch? It's like, yeah, sure. Just stay out of the way, I guess. Right. And number three, he's like, oh, OK, I'm going to pay your bill, Golden Swallow. And like everybody circles the table and uh, we have like the next part of this fight. She throws wine in someone's face. 
she slashes a couple dudes. Uh, and, and we have sort of that classic thing where, like, they pause and gather and converge and she fights them back in a circle. Like, again, Kill Bill did a lot of this. Th- these fights actually have a lot of them just circling around each other, uh, pointing swords and, yeah. like, waiting for – waiting to – it's not just constantly like slash 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 short. A lot of bright, uh, a lot of breathing room in it, mm-hmm. like uh, yeah, uh, kind of back and forth, a uh, choreographed kind of feel to it. It's very classical. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone throws darts, she ducks them, and she gets the thrower in the head with one of her own darts, which was pretty cool. And <laughs> yeah. and like throughout this, drunken cat is sort of getting in the way, but like helping by getting in the way in certain places and tellingly he's saying things like hey watch out number three is coming from over there mm-hmm. uh yeah the third master now you see the true advantage of being third he he faces off with golden <laughs> yeah. swallow yeah. uh, and she disarms him and slices the brim of his hat off which is really funny <laughs> just like disappears and floats off yeah <laughs> and Golden Soul is like, innkeeper, I'm gonna take a room right here for the night. Uh, I, I don't. It doesn't need to be a secret. I'm, I'm cool enough that uh, none of these people are gonna bother me. Screw you guys. I, I also need two horses because I came here alone, but I'm not leaving alone. <laughs> <laughs> Real power move. I, I, I think great little speech after just slicing his hat. Yeah, it's like. The fight's not even over, and she's just like, okay, you know what, I'm going to bed here. Yeah, screw this. I, I'm done with this noise. Uh, you go talk to your guy. <laughs> yeah. And and it cuts, of course, to Jade Face Tiger's dinner table that night. And hilariously, just everyone at the table other than him, they all have their hands bandaged up from the fight. Because, like, <laughs> she disarmed everyone by, like, hurting their hands by slashing the hands. Yeah. Yeah, they're all they're all convalescing and all that, um, and and they're telling them what's going on. Yeah, they, so they're at Guangxi Temple, uh, where they're keeping Zhang, uh, and the the monk who's in charge of the place while the abbot is out <laughs> for three to five days. Uh, yeah. he's very troubled by them keeping this guy here because you know this isn't very uh, Buddhist behavior. <laughs> You know, I know you guys could. I know I said you guys could stay here and do your bandit villain stuff, but the well, abbot's not even coming. That. And yeah, it's, it's going to be really awkward for me. See, the thing is, it's it's. I know the abbot has uh, let you guys stay here, but oh, I, oh, I don't no, know okay. about because remember the abbot is with them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I did. Abbot yeah. is. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he is uh, troubled by all of this. It's uh, like really, I don't know you guys. Uh, and you know they're they're having this sort of quasi uh, confidential discussion, and, and Jade Face Tiger sees uh, an eye peeking at like a little corner in the paper screen, and he fires a fan dart into the person's eye through the paper wall. And it's a friggin' little child. It's it's a young Buddhist disciple, and yeah, well, rest in peace, kid. <laughs> oh yeah, no, well. <laughs> Here's where we learn about the darts. Yeah, so they're like, well, uh, sorry to tell you, but the darts are poison. You know, he he got a dart in his eye and is just writhing on the ground. Yeah, Uh, like this this looks pretty bad to begin with. 
It's uh, like, well, okay, then like, give me give the me antidote. antidote. Okay, you like, know what the antidote uh, is. All right. Yeah, uh, a, a couple guys come and put swords through him. Yeah, so we uh, got child murder on uh, these guys' lists of deeds. Pretty quickly, yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, Jade Face Tiger sends his number five guy with uh, two extra cronies to go, you you go deal with Golden Swallow. Because, you know, obviously that's going to work after they have the entire gang surrounding her in a circle unable to do so, right? I, I feel like they're at least somewhat aware of the, what is it, the inverse law of ninja theories where like the more ninjas you send the weaker every individual ninja will be but if you only send one ninja that ninja is going to be death incarnate i suppose that's a good point and and i see i i feel like as well they're planning to cheat like they oh yeah she announced that she's going to go sleep in this room upstairs right here uh so it's like go oh, we know where she's going where, to be where she's going to be sleeping yeah <laughs> yeah that, that's that's the whole idea because we we sort of cut there and Drunken cat just kind of barging into Golden Swallow's room again. <laughs> oh, my also, room's leaking. Well, yeah, that's right. My room's <laughs> leaking. But it, again, it feels like very cat behavior. Like he sort of makes a noise at the door, and she goes to check, and he kind of just barges in, like moves his body through the door, and then he's like <laughs> getting into stuff. Yeah, he's just wandering, like checking everything out. Like he's um, pretending to be drunk, but he's sort of like very quickly getting into things and sort of like falling into stuff but like he takes her hat and daggers without her realizing it <laughs> although i will dispute one thing i do think he's probably not pretending to be drunk <laughs> yeah, it, he he does seem to have a drunken master quality to him where his kung fu is better by him drinking a bunch of alcohol like uh, the the jackie chan movies yeah well and his we later learn his sacred weapon is a bamboo staff with the gourd. Like the gourd's part of the sacredness of the weapon, which means he's probably like drunkenness is part of it. Yeah, like he he is a drunken master for yeah. real, and and that's sort of like his special power. Uh, but like he he is he is also pretending to be more incapacitated than he is. Like he oh, yes. is moving very elegantly. Oh, oh that's what he meant by. <laughs> by pretending to be drunk pretending to be fall down drunk yeah he, he's pretending to like fall down and, and he's not able to control himself when he is like clearly uh the one running the whole situation <laughs> uh and you know he takes off and she she hustles him out of the room and she like sits down and looks over and like god damn it <laughs> <laughs> he took all my knives and swords and, and her big hat and her hat so she she has to chase him to get them back, which most importantly takes her out of the room before the assassins arrive, which was his point in the first place. Uh-huh. He's just and he's just like hanging out on a tree branch. Well, no, first he uh, she he's in the, the main floor and he she jumps down to the first floor to where he is and he jumps up in the same direction you know some back and forth wire work with like oh yeah uh one jumping, jumping to the to bottom the one jumping up to the balcony and then he ducks out a window and they they have a rooftop chase you know uh gotta ditch that cop <laughs> yep gotta ditch that cop um and he loses he's it not really, really quick trying. well yeah he, he does but he's also yeah yeah he loses her 
Yeah, like he he basically immediately loses her. Like she she uh, falls on a couple of rooftops and he ducks down and she just finds the daggers and hat just waiting for her next to a bridge. <laughs> yeah. It's like, huh. And it's right around here that we see that this is when the guys break into her room. Yeah, she she comes back to the inn to find them breaking sneaking in. Right, right. She catches them. Yeah. Uh, and like they're waiting outside and she throws a dart at the last one coming through the window and he falls <laughs> and they just like, OK, this isn't going to work, obviously. Yeah. Um, so that was number five, I guess. I guess so. No, I think we have number five a bit more. I think oh, this was just some rando. Oh, OK, OK. Yeah, I, I don't really remember what number four and five actually did. Not much. They, yeah. Actually, no, I know number five is still around in the next big battle. Okay. I can't, I, I think that might be uh, the wolf, white-faced wolf, something. Uh, I'm not that sure. Might be. That, that was the only other, yeah, white-faced wolf is the only other uh, name I got of the, the bad guys. <laughs> yeah, I thought all the tigers were going to have cool names, but only two of them really did. Most of them, they're just number two, three, four, and five, you know? We don't even know what the leader tiger's name is. Number one. He's just number one. <laughs> He's the box tiger. I consider him <laughs> box tiger. I, I consider him deadliest tiger. Deadliest tiger. <laughs> tiger is deadly. Yeah. Uh, so the next morning, we've got drunk cat, Drunken Cat and his orphan gang. Yeah, so he's... Got this orphan gang. He's he's basically he's busking with them is what he's doing. They, they call it begging, but it's it's not really begging. It's busking. They're singing. They're they're, they're singing they're... for food and drink. Yeah, and where you learn like how he loves the gourd more than anything else. Right. Uh, and yeah, he, they they have a whole musical number. He's trying to collect money, and uh, they don't get much. <laughs> no. Like amusingly, it's like, wow, this isn't even enough for a drink. Uh, but Golden Swallow comes and's like, thanks so much for your help last night. I, I, I think I get what you were doing. And he's just like, what are you talking about? He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. That's crazy. Who are you? <laughs> uh, and he offers to sing her a song in exchange for her buying him a drink. Yeah, yeah, he's like, hey, do you have any money? Can you buy me a drink? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Actually, why don't I can't just take this money for free. Why don't I sing you a song? Oh, no, you don't need to. <laughs> oh, he's already doing it. And and she's like paying off his tab. And I think notably she's trying to ask him about Zhang. She, yeah, and, she's trying to ask him about all the. Everything. And he's, he's like, oh, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, listen, I got to sing this song though <laughs> <laughs> it's like the song is basically like Zhang is being held in the temple he's there and you well and it's, it's, he ain't no surely temple it's it's much more clever than that obviously. it is a lot it's, more clever than that but it the, is the, very the song, much the infos in the song the the song is them describing a series of brush strokes and if you do the brush strokes it describes the location it's the name of the temple that he's hidden at he's like okay okay i thought he was giving like directions no. how to get there no because she she draws out the uh character as they're singing on the table 
in like uh, dust or whatever. Okay, I, I misunderstood it then. All right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so she she realizes, okay, well, let's uh, head over to Guangji Temple. And she goes undisguised. And we're completely now done with her being disguised as a man. That There was really not much of a thing in this movie. Yeah, they, like it never really came up. Like the only, the closest thing to it mattering is here they don't immediately recognize her. Which is crazy because she was completely undisguised. Well, the <laughs> she first just one has a to, different hairstyle. Yeah, but the first one to run into her is Jade Face, who was who right. hasn't he, met her yet. He so. has not met her, but still, it does take them a little while. Uh, and she she uh, she goes to pray in the temple, and, and he is approached the, by him. He has the worst pickup line I maybe have <laughs> ever heard. Yeah. yeah. Why not um, pray to a living God like me? Yeah, why pray to a clay cat when you can pray to a living god? And he's just there, like, with his white creep. spooky makeup, and it looked, got, like, this gross, lecherous look on his face. And she's just like, what the hell? Like, you don't know me. Don't talk to me like this. And she looks like, ew. And and he's like, I've made dinner for both of us. And he's like, I'm going to just leave. <laughs> And she turns and there's four swordsmen blocking the door. And I'm like, oh, this isn't good. Uh, and, and this is where like, okay, so you're Golden Swallow. Uh, and like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not even in disguise. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? It's just attitude. Uh, and, you know, just guys just all sort of uh, spilling in from every entrance. So she's surrounded by 13 dudes. Yeah, and we we have to signal with the fan. So the Jade Face Tiger oh, yeah. gets to do his san, his fan signaling. There's no reason for it here, but okay. They love their ceremony. Uh, I I really like it too. Uh, I, I'm sure. I just imagine it's like smile, Smiley Tigers just kind of like, come on, let me have the fan, guys. It's like I don't have a thing. Your thing is your face. Yeah, but it's my. I need another thing besides that. Let me do the fan. Because it's only the two of them that get to use the fan. It's only Jade Face Tiger and Smiling Tiger. I guess yeah. you have to be a tiger. Maybe when like maybe that's Deadly Tiger's thing, but like they both get to use it when he's out. Um, hmm, maybe. Or well, I think I think Smiling Tiger uses a different fan. He's oh, got maybe. the communication fan, whereas uh, Jade <laughs> Tiger has the poison fan. The special Tiger semaphore. And, and Deadliest Tiger has the box fan. Right, right. So uh, uh, w- when he signals with the fan, I guess notably all of the temple door is shut, which yeah. is cool. And the fight yeah. begins. <laughs> this one's a pretty good brawl. Uh, we have people like shooting darts at her and she kind of magically catches them all with a basket. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and she kills one dude here and she is almost going to take out number five, which is why I know he was still oh, here right, because right. she's about to kill him. And Jade Face yeah. Tiger's like, this is a holy place. How dare you spill blood here? <laughs> it's like, Dude, what like, did you, you think I was going to do? You guys all surrounded me and attacked me. Do you do you remember how that just happened like five minutes ago? W- were you gonna give him a lecture if he spilled my blood? And it's like you're 
you you came here and was like, hey, I've made dinner for us, and I don't know you, dude. So he's like, listen, we'll just have a chat over a drink. And he's like, I don't think so. <laughs> it's 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 sort of a weird dynamic that, that he's like, no, but you should date me though. He's like, ah, come on, dude. <laughs> they have another duel. Uh, and, you know, obviously a bunch of them are attacking them. She she like jumps up on on a table and is fighting them off from atop the table, which is really rad. Mm-hmm. And uh, here's where Drunken Cat shows up secretly in the background. Yeah, just showing up. <laughs> so he first like I think we don't even see him at first, but like one of the windows that like one of the window shades falls away so she can jump out and escape through it. Oh, right. Yeah, that's right. And it's because drunken cat has shown up and started to, uh, subtly, uh, move things in her favor in the background without anyone seeing him. Mm -hmm. So like they all burst out the door, the fight spills down the temple steps. She kills like two dudes right away. Uh, and Jade face tiger is like, Hey, stand down. Okay. Hold up. <laughs> this, this isn't working uh and he he's got like four mini bosses and like just the 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 five of them coming down in a line so yeah. they can have a duel again of course she she's mostly just dueling with him there there's not a lot for the secondary guys to do they just kind of uh keep her in the duel more than anything else which is kind of why i don't even like i don't even know what number four and five i can't remember what they look like they, they don't really do a whole they lot. They don't yeah. do anything, really. After this point, I don't think they ever do anything, but I'm pretty sure they all die like in like several moments in the last scene. Yeah, well, there is one point where Jade Tiger sends number four with oh. a bunch of goons, and he's like to go after, I don't know if it's her or him, because it's later on, but he's no, just kind of like... He's got this look on his face because he's like, oh, man, a bunch of goons, but then we'll fall victim to the inverse law of ninja concert, whatever that's called. That's number five. It's number five. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. yeah, no, that that is a little bit later. And I, I do know who you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, so that the right number five does get picked off sooner. But uh, yeah. two through four all get picked off in like three seconds later on. But well, I think two survives. No, no. <laughs> two is Jade Face Tiger. Yeah, yeah, doesn't he... I must have missed something, because doesn't... Well, we'll, we'll get to it, because... Yeah, we'll get to it. It's way at the end. Yeah. Uh, so, like, they they have another duel. She slices his belt, so he, like, takes off his outer robe, and he's, like, shaking it at her, like... <laughs> I, I guess just sort of distraction-wise, and he's, like, throwing it at her. Uh, somehow yeah, he manages like, to grab one of her daggers and throw it away. Yeah, he's... Uh... He's good with his sword. He's able to like twist it into like the the guards of her daggers and and disarm her that way. Yeah, she he he like knocks one flying and it like sticks into a wall. Uh, she slashes a cut in his forehead, which is pretty good. She draws first blood. Yep. But he has her down on the ground, like he's pressing the attack, and I I'm not sure what it is Drunken Cat throws that he slips on. Like it's not a banana peel. It's it like an seems orange. to be fruit. Yeah, I, I like some like rotten an fruit. Or a, or a or a peach or a, or a plum. Yeah, it it looks kind of it's really gushy and slippery. So you know it's cartoony. He throws it's it a, and he it's slips basically on a, it. It's, it's the exact same purpose of a, of a banana peel. 
It's a banana peel gag completely. <laughs> yeah, he slips on that. And uh, Drunk Cat also then throws her second dagger back to her, still from hiding. No one, no one sees him do any of this, which yeah. is kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't. Those guys are not participating in the fight. They could be watching. <laughs> yeah, she just doesn't even question. It's like, oh, daggers are my hand now. That's cool. Like, nice, awesome. And she knocks Jade Face Tiger down, runs up a wall. Really cool. Yeah. And she gets got with a fan dart, falls off the wall on the other side. Mm-hmm. And she like runs off into the forest. They send out their hunting parties for her. Uh, and so like she is not writhing in pain like she I mean, she didn't get it in the eye. Thankfully, it's not um, in her brain or anything. Um, but she is. It's definitely affecting her. We can see it. She's like she's slowing down. Notably, she is also very tough. Mm hmm. And she like gets a, a couple guys to kill each other by like uh, she uh, she like uh, gets them to fire arrows at each other. Oh yeah, and then she like ducks or something. Yeah, like and a, and she a like three Stooges kill. Yeah, it's pretty much a three Stooges kill, and like she she draws their attention by like throwing something at a tree and cutting it, and like they fire arrows at each other and. And then she passes out from the poison and wakes yeah. up in Drunken Cat's beautiful cabin hideaway. Oh my God! If uh, if this were an option, I would absolutely be a drunken beggar on the street if I could come home to this place. This place is gorgeous, just like this perfect little oasis with the waterfall and the wheel. And... It's like every, it's like every wallpaper, like computer wallpaper you imagine of beautiful Chinese, like. Uh, a pond cabin thing it's got like the the fancy trees uh, it's, it's so nice it's just this beautiful little hideaway and like it's always kind of misty and green uh and like she wakes up and she's still kind of suspicious of him and she like throws a really big rock at him <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> and he just cuts it in half with his sword well or, hmm. or is this or is first this one, one he just uh, effortlessly catches it on a one finger. Yeah, so she's suspicious of him because she figures he led her into a trap, and he's basically like, well, no, you weren't supposed to go in there head on guns blazing. Yeah, like, come on, uh, think things through a little bit more. And and she's like, look, I told you to observe more and fight less. You weren't paying enough attention to my masterly advice is the thing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so we've got, like, so for the next bit, she's going to be training with him while recovering. Right, and, like, first, he, he sucks out the poison. Uh, the wound oh, is yeah. pretty gruesome, right? That is a gruesome wound. Uh, I, I was, like, I, I was watching this, I'm like, is this going to be sexy, like a very similar scene in the last movie? Right. It's not. Thankfully, it is not. They they don't have any romance at all. No, no them. romance at all. Which I think is appropriate. They're they're just not characters that feel compatible in that sense. She ain't looking for it right now. Uh, second and, movie, uh, the the sequel is a love triangle. Uh, well, depends. We'll talk about that at the end. Well, depends. <laughs> uh, but so we we cut back to the temple where Jade Face Tiger is berating his men. Yeah, like, and he's he's got like this bandage. That's the same on his color head. of his face on his head. That's <laughs> yeah. got like this red dot where the blood is. Mm -hmm. And he he's like, listen, number five, 
I, you go find her and don't come back if you don't find her, Starscream. You failed me for the last time. Uh, it, it, it kind of feels like one of those. And, and yeah. I did kind of start to think of number five as Starscream. <laughs> and so, like, uh, number five and his guys show up uh, while he's feeding her. Right, right. And he ends up, like, throwing the chickpeas at one of the dude's faces. Right, and it, it's sort of weird because, like, he's still not actively fighting them because he's still pretending that he's sort of on their side. So, like, he kind of just clumsily, drunkenly, quote-unquote, pushes the food in uh, number five's face, and he trips the other guys into the water, and there's just kind of a hilarious cartoon <laughs> splash of water everywhere. Like, yep. real Three Stooges gag kind of thing. And he's like, hey, why are you guys going here, man? I'm I'm just some random drunk. Yeah. And he's like, listen, uh, Golden Swallow, you, you rest. And the he he's finally like, all right. And he, he faces the five guys and he just dodges them and they all kill each other. Yeah. <laughs> all five of them. Which, yeah, I, I didn't quite follow how that happened, but. They did. He, like he's got the staff, right? I, I guess yeah. he must, because he like the the bamboo staff with Gord, uh, because later on that will that will be like used as evidence, and uh, I I feel like they just killed each other, and I don't know how that works, but we'll get back to that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, the next day he he rolls up to the temple with a wagon with all five guys on the, <laughs> the corpses. He's like. Uh, dead body delivery. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's like, listen, yeah. I'd really like a drink. It's a hot day. I've been pushing them for miles. <laughs> <laughs> they just showed up at my place and then, uh, you know, got killed somehow. Well, so, again, very cat energy, just like showing up at the door with uh, something dead. And oh, like, hey, look did. at what I brought you. <laughs> I, I'm brought here for stuff, present. you know. You could maybe give me a bit of silver or something. That would be cool. Uh, <laughs> I, I heard from somebody, a confidential source, who says, you'd give me five tails of silver if I brought you these. That sounds right, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, get him his five tails of silver. He's like, I just found them in the woods. Golden Swallow did it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, by the way, she wanted me to tell you that your poison's weak. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and he's like, okay, I'll give you your silver. And he's like, number three, just just follow that guy. I, I'm something's not right here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and finally, the abbot returns. Abbot Lao Kong. Yeah. So this guy, um, I I didn't realize he was going to be the bad the big guy. Bad. Yeah, the because main villain. I kind of had I was kind of under the impression that he was just like, you know, like the owner of Spawn Ranch. He didn't know what these guys were really up to. They were just taking advantage of him. Right. But nope. No, no, no. <laughs> nope. He's the mastermind and he he's not even interested in their petty bullshit. Oh, yeah. He doesn't give a fuck about their pl petty plot. He's basically shows up. He's like, all right, you guys, listen, here's what the actual plot of this movie is. I'm looking for the dude with the bamboo staff and gourd. Yeah, uh, and he's my brother. Well, yeah, and, brother in this case. We went studied, studied under the same master. 
Yeah, I don't really know if they're meant to be related or or if they just studied together. I feel like it's just studied. Oh, no, it's definitely just studied together. Because there's yeah. a thing that he, he mentions that he was an orphan taken off the streets by him. Yeah, yeah. So it's more like. That's much later, of course. Yeah. Um, or actually, no, I guess that's. We, that's we have these soon. two parallel scenes. We We have like them giving conflicting explanations of each other. Uh, mm-hmm. Because like so because uh, Drunken Cat is with number three and a couple underlings eating and we, we see him sneak a dart out of the fan, which is oh. fun. Important Maybe for a little bit later. Maybe they do share the same fan then. Yeah, I think they, they do. They must because otherwise because that's why it's doesn't missing. work. Yeah. 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 That's weird. They, they it's just my turn to hold the fan. Yeah, I, this is what I'm saying. I figured, like, it was Deadly Tiger number one's deal, and now, like, everybody's kind of playing with the duster now that he's out of town, right? <laughs> Must be. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> but, like, uh, so it, he he's having dinner with him and stuff and having his drinks, and, like, Lao Kong wants to talk to number three, so he, he's pulled away from Drunken Cat, and... Like he's talking to number three and Jade Face Tiger because he wants to examine the bodies. And he looks at them and is like, well, Golden Swallow couldn't have done this. This was done with the staff at the gourd, which is Drunken Cat's weapon, as we know. But yeah, they're like, so I, how is it? I don't think he was using that. And he they killed each other. We, we saw them stab each other with swords. Which must be a sacred technique of their school. <laughs> the technique of the the wrath of the stooge. It doesn't really yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't really get how he uh sees this, but you know, mystical stuff, I guess. Fine. The sacred art of the third stooge. I guess so. And and Kong's like, I've been searching for this weapon. That's why I've been away specifically. Uh and he's like it's it's uh he's my brother uh and uh he he says that he got the weapon from our deceased master uh fan de bay uh he stole the staff and he started his own evil splinter sect of our our you know uh our, our order yeah whereas uh, drunken cat's version is that uh the abbot was was supposed to be the next in line but the master could see that he was actually a turd so he's like well i bequeath this staff to you instead drunken cat go and you know go and uh bring honor to our order well i think it's specifically kong killed the master oh yeah no that's what it was kong killed the master yes kong is the one who killed the master and he's like i'm supposed to get revenge on him but he is the better martial artist i don't know if i can defeat him and also it's like i was a homeless orphan he's the guy who took me off the streets to train i don't really want to confront him he's he's sort of family to me so he's right, like yeah. uh we, we see him do a bit of his palm power practice yeah his, i don't which is fun. quite get what this is he just it looks like he's just spraying like blasts mist. of wind or steam yeah, or steam out of it. I, out of his palm, yeah. Yeah, it's, maybe, that, maybe it is of, just scalding hot steam. I, I couldn't quite figure out what it was meant to like represent. It's sort of just supposed to be energy, like uh, focused energy power that just sort of comes out of uh, the, the palms. It's it's sort of an ancient uh, Buddhist uh, 
concept that like you can uh, generate power out of the palm of your hand. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, he does a little bit of training with it. Golden Swallow throws a stone and he, he breaks it in two with the palm power and then like catches one of the pieces and then like catches them on his fingertips again. He does some of that. Yeah. And, and it's shown that like these are heavy boulders. She struggles with them. Mm-hmm. So it's Although, like, I'm just showing off now. <laughs> Although she's also poisoned as fuck. I guess so. Yeah. And also like. They're clearly not actually heavy. <laughs> it's well, clearly yes. her acting holding them <laughs> kind of heavy. And like, they don't really look that heavy. And they like, don't. They don't have the heaviness of that gravity, but it's fine. Oh, yeah. So uh, Drunken Cat ultimately is like, look, I, I figure you should just do the prisoner exchange. Just, just do the exchange. I'll figure out a way to get him back. We'll, I'll rearrest the guy. Don't worry about it. I'll, <laughs> I'll deal with it. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. And... He he goes back to the Tiger Gang to negotiate the trade. And, like, again, he's still not entirely on the outs with them, even though, like, they yeah. know, uh, like, now that the Abbot has this thing, the rest of them don't really get what's going on with that exactly. That's like, what? That's what we're about now? Yeah, they were like, I thought we were just doing a ransom plot. Yeah. Secret weapons and, oh, man. What's all this? And uh, he's like, okay, listen, tomorrow, trade, noon on the southern slopes. Uh, and uh, he he encounters Kong on the way back. Oh, yes. Because <laughs> he's now the main character of the movie. Golden yeah, he Swallow. Has We're not really going to do much with her. And Kong has become the main villain. Um, Golden Swallow and Jade Face Tiger are just kind of off on the side for the rest of it now. They're secondary. They're yeah. in it, but they're it's not about them anymore. Right. So, uh, because Kong committed a crime, he is considered forever unworthy. So the day he sees the staff, he must die. Uh, right. And he, but he's like, I I don't want to fight you. I don't. I really don't want to fight you, especially right now. I'm in the middle of a whole thing. I know you're sort of adjacent to it. But you don't really care about that prisoner exchange stuff right and he's like no right, no i don't give a shit it's like okay listen i'm gonna go deal with that and then just give me three days i'm gonna take Zhang home deal with your gang bullshit you don't care and it's like, i don't care <laughs> i just want to make sure that you're not gonna run away yeah and it's like okay cool you 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 deal with my gang's nonsense and and <laughs> after that's done we'll 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 catch up again <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll catch up yeah we'll we'll circle back like I, I love that the, there's this like we've been following this plot up to this point, and then it's kind of like we we encounter these two other characters who've been sort of in the background. One of them has just appeared, and they're like, "Listen, that main plot of this movie, that's all bullshit. Forget it. Why? What are we even doing? We'll we'll, we'll get to the main plot afterwards. We'll yeah, just finish that crap off. Whatever. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we we have the uh, the prisoner exchange that we were firmly absolutely the the governor was never going to allow it here it's time for the prisoner it. exchange well well i think well i think part of it was drunken cat was like don't even tell the governor just do just it on the dl him. that's right just take He's the like, soldiers too they'll they'll also do it on the dl i'm sure sure uh, and he is hanging under the bottom of number one's box cart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Comically. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> and so, of course, he immediately disarms the tiger guards after the exchange. 
breaks one of their swords in half like a baller. And yeah. he just lets the cart roll right back to the authorities. <laughs> yeah, it just rolls down this hill, like, tipping backwards. I, we never get any dialogue from a deadliest tiger, but I, I, I just imagine this is like, like it's Homer Simpson just falling down the gorge. Well, no, because he, he just rolls back. It's not back. quite like that, but. No, because he rolls back to the authorities because they he does have a little bit of dialogue after this because he's yelling at them to, like, Oh, no, stop. They've got me because someone has a knife. Oh, yeah, head. right, right. Yeah. Later on, he's like, hey, guys, stand down or they'll like cut my throat. Yeah. They've left me in a box for like six months. They'll do it. Yeah. And so, like, you know, he, he lets the cart roll back to the authorities and he's standing there pretty pleased with himself. And we've got like guys two through four tigers, two through four. Uh, yeah. And they're like. We're never working with this drunken cat guy again. This is, I can't believe this bullshit. Are you kidding me? <laughs> we are never crossing paths with this dude. I am so done with this. I, I think they kind of, tr- like, prior to all this, they kind of treated him as a harmless drunken informant, probably. Th- I think that was, like, yeah. their relationship with him. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and we see golden swallow who's leading the prisoner transport and she has her platoon of lady guards, which is kind of cool. Love her outfit in this. Um, Rad. Yeah. Her war outfit, your war outfit. And yeah, her lady guards. And and like, they've also got like the, the dude guards. Yeah. It's like two different platoons here. Right. Like the outer guard is the dudes. And then the inner guard are her like Amazon warriors. Uh, And, they're they're just heading on their way back with a box prisoner and they're ambushed going through a trail between two hills but like you know puts a sword to number one's head and is like tell them to stop like, <laughs> yeah. stop stop they <laughs> they will do it uh and we have the big climactic battle yeah uh the the bandits take pretty heavy losses they do initially take the prison wagon and make off with it. Uh, just still the box with number one's head sticking out the top, never getting yeah. out. <laughs> I love that he's, he's basically, yeah, he's the MacGuffin. Yeah. And I well, think somewhere in here, MacGuffin. like it just gets lost. Uh, I think somewhere around here, it does t- tumble down a hill or something. Uh, I'm sure I, I do definitely remember a bit of a tumble happening. Yeah. Uh, and it's like here, it's just Golden Swallow facing wave after wave of dudes. She like takes out yeah. 14 dudes all by herself <laughs> pretty rapidly. Yep. Uh, and then she's about to face off against Tigers 2, 3, and 4. Uh, Going to learn about the third strongest. And she kills two of them like nothing. Uh, and like uh, 4 and 3 are both gone in like one slash. <laughs> yeah. It's like like she, when she kills someone it's usually so fast you can't even really see how she's done it. Mhm. And like in the doing of it she also slashes up Jade Face Tiger. So like he's got a bunch of slashes on his face and he's pretty upset about it. He's uh, got like these two like gouges down his back. They're nasty. Yeah. And he pulls out the fan. But it's out of darts. It goes quick. Out of ammo. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, they must, they must have shared the fan. Yeah, drunken cat stole the dart before the battle. Uh, and Which he, is, she's about to kill him, but then the abbot shows up. Oh yeah, yeah, the abbot shows up. Is like, 
get out of here. You suck. Right. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and I think that's it. I don't think he shows up again. Yeah, no, I think you're right. That is true. Because uh, we, we kind of just follow the Abbot after that. We don't really yeah, care about yeah, this we're guy. Just, we're, yeah, we don't even really get back to Golden Swallow until the very end, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, and, like, she tries to stab the Abbot a couple times. The blade just doesn't even go in. Just, just doesn't work. It's like, 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 just no sells it. Just, like, no, no. It just might as well be a rubber blade. Yeah, and he, he just takes one of her daggers and breaks it in half. He's like, oh, well, this isn't going very well. Uh, he he takes the other one and he throws it at Golden Swallow. And, like, this is when Drunken Cat arrives. He catches it, like, immediately in front of her, of course. Mm-hmm. Magically, just right before it hits her. Of course. Uh, and he's like, Abbott, you're out of the sect. <laughs> <laughs> And it's time for like the final duel, and they they do their palm power duel. Yeah, because they both have it. Of course, and Drunken Cat does defeat Kong, uh, but he doesn't kill him. It's like, listen, you're gonna run away. You're gonna change your name. You're gonna turn over a new leaf. He's like, I am. It's definitely what I'm going to do. I'm gonna go and do that right now. I'm definitely okay. not gonna show up later and odd job you. My next note is this. Drunken Cat returns home and is Im- is ambushed by the Abbot. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's literally exactly the next that. thing that happens. Like <laughs> I, I thought, I thought he was going to get odd jobbed by uh, Jade Tiger. Right, but no, like literally, he like I I thought it was going to be that too, but no, he comes home and like, oh yeah, no, the Abbot is immediately coming right back at him. We're not even going to have a scene in between that. Nope, it's like, well, it's like I, I will. About what I'm, I did, and uh, I'm going to I turn over a new life for sure. Yeah, I'm going to go do that. I'm going to go do that right now. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> He's just waiting for him at home, like an hour later. So they have their another big palm power battle, and sadly, his beautiful hut is just completely destroyed. Yeah, like they they take out a a load bearing bamboo beam, and the whole thing just collapses. Just comes down. Yeah. Although you know, it's really just sort of the the place that it's built in. Like you could just build another little shack on there. That's fine. It's it's oh, more yeah. about the the waterfall and everything. Yeah, no, the, the hut in. is not the main feature of this yeah. wonderful hideout. Uh, and so the abbot is about to strike with his staff, uh, and then Drunken Cat spits wine in his face, and he gets him with the legendary weapon through the heart, Green Bamboo Staff. Yep. Uh, just huge, crazy spray of blood everywhere. <laughs> and it's the end, just instantly, end. of course, as these things go. Yeah, uh, for a second I thought, like, I forgot what movie I was, or what group of I forgot whose movie this was, and when I saw there was like five minutes of runtime and they were back at the cabin, the cottage, it's like, oh, well, here's where they're going to decide what they do next part ways. And Oh, no, actually, I'm wrong. Fight. Right. Yes. And then the end. Final, final battle and then instant the end and we're done. Uh, there, there is a sequel to this, as I mentioned. It's called Golden Swallow. Uh, she is not the main character in that one either. <laughs> I really wanted her to like be the main here. I like I agree. I, I like Drunken Cat a lot. I do too. I really I really enjoyed him, but I would enjoy him more as a side character. 
yeah, I really like him as the supporting character because it's more interesting him just kind of lurking around the edges and helping. But I guess he's too OP in a sense. Well, him being OP is why he should be a support character. Right. But then it sort of lowers the stakes because he's just kind of always there on the side. And it it makes her sort of her gains are are less uh, uh, significant because they're so heavily dependent on him, you know, magically helping her along the outside of things. Well, yeah, I don't know. It's problematic either way, I guess. Yeah, that's why I was kind of hoping like he'd train her up. And she right. could stay as, like, the main hero. And, I don't know, they could team up. But then you wouldn't have – then the the battle with the abbot wouldn't mean as much. But then the abbot just kind of comes up out of nowhere anyway. Yeah, the, the structure of this is definitely a little bit weird. It doesn't have quite the straightforward through line that you get with most of these. But yeah. I guess it's also – this is not a kung fu one. This is a wuxia, so it's a little bit more uh, – folk tale you know you you have sort of the ups and downs of a, a folk story well yeah that's true that's true uh, and also this came out like what <laughs> pardon me uh like 10 five or 10 years before the kung fu one started out so this is about four years this is four years before the chinese boxer okay and yeah like so like that one felt more tight i guess like like i feel it feels like they've had a bit more time to get the structure of these together whereas this one felt like i enjoyed it but the structure felt a little loose like it felt like it was two movies that didn't quite go together yeah well it, it doesn't have quite the momentum it's it's not uh, as action-packed certainly uh, as chinese box which is just sort of a very streamlined fight movie and and that's the the innovation of the kung fu movie the martial arts movie like there were martial arts movies but the kung fu movie was just like fighting is the movie whereas mm. these there's you know it's it's a whole uh, larger romance you have the whole mystical story and the uh you know good has to triumph over evil and all of that and yeah. uh, so the the golden swallow sequel i think is maybe more of a kung fu movie but uh oh, okay. it's it's a love triangle so i don't know the the main character is her love interest jimmy wang yu actually who played the chinese boxer uh, oh, cool. is, is the guy uh you know he died in april sadly oh yeah just just a little while ago oh dang uh but yeah uh that's that's uh the end of uh uh come drink with me it's pretty fun like i agree it's not in my upper tier of the uh shaw stuff i've seen but i liked it a lot i liked it a lot um i like her i like drunken cat as a side character but yeah i i still think other ones like um five fingers of death or uh what is it the crippled avengers i i, th- I like crippled those ones avengers better as well yeah i agree and like i would say five fingers of death is sort of like the real distilled perfection of it but but again like those are kung fu movies rather than wuxia yeah i uh, guess and this, this is sort of more in line with kung fu wonder child and i'd say this is a better movie but maybe not as fun of a movie actually yeah it is it does feel a lot similar to that um but <laughs> yeah, I the magic, still you know, magical reasoning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so this is replaced in the stacks with eight diagram pole fighter. 
Oh. One of the main best loved, biggest Shaw Brothers kung fu pictures. You know, people fighting with bow staffs. Lots of people's getting getting their teeth knocked out. Uh, it's uh, one of it's supposed to be one of the all time best. Uh, it's a revenge one. You know, someone getting revenge for their uh, murdered family or a master or a master family or whatever. You know, it's one of those. Yeah, it's one of those. It's like... they, they train a whole bunch with the bow staff and then they take a bunch of people's teeth out with it. It's uh, kind of the, one of the most highly respected of the whole genre. Oh, right on, right on. Uh, cool. So uh, any last thoughts on Come Drink With Me before we head to our second feature? Uh, yeah, they... Very rarely does anyone come drink with her. No, it's weird because there's a lot of points where people are like, want them, want her to come drink with them. It's like uh, Jade Face Tiger wants her to come drink with him. Oh, hmm. actually, there is one thing I wanted to point out. Oh, please. The whole, the whole, like first hour and a bit of the movie, like Jade Face Tiger is like, like painted as like the super badass, super nasty like the worst villain but then when you see him standing next to the actor who plays the abbot he just looks like a kid and i I think that's kind of cool because that fits with his what his actual personality is because like his pickup line is such a dumb teenager (laughs) thing well and and it also kind of works uh in in terms of just the iconography of the film that suddenly like this guy shows up who is obviously a much bigger threat than him and he's also much more physically imposing than him and just like an instant visually like he looks like oh this guy's way scarier yeah it's, it's huh. like jade face tiger suddenly stopped being an effective villain just because this other guy exists yeah well and is it, he he didn't even stop being he he remains as effective as he ever was except but, yeah. uh he's sabotage and he's just no longer important to the story because his story doesn't even matter anymore. All the things he was doing was just bullshit. Yeah, it's like, dude, you were doing what while I was away? Get out like, of here. You, you've been moving MacGuffins around? I don't care. I've got other <laughs> things to do. I, there's a legendary weapon at stake. Come on, some guy named Zhang? Deadly yeah. Tiger number one? I don't even know that guy's name. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah. Yeah, it's it, like I guess that's also kind of the the key problem with the movie is that it, it sort of just abandons the plot as like, wait, that plot doesn't matter. Forget that. Here's this other plot that you didn't know we were about. We're about that now. Like, <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. We, we yeah. don't even have the same main characters anymore. Like, okay, uh, cool, whatever. <laughs> Although I wonder if Jade Tiger shows up in the second one. Uh, it's possible. Yeah. Yeah, he, I don't know. Because he, he lived. Yeah, or theoretically. He, yeah, he he got away with it, which kind of upset me until I found out there's a sequel. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I don't have the sequel, but uh, well, we'll have to check it out at some point. Yeah, we'll find out. All right, well, uh, we'll head out to uh, part two. And we're back for part two, as we were talking about the 2020, but retro 70s detective tv uh movie inspector ike Uh, this movie is so much fun a very charming little independent movie uh directed by graham mason and starring i'm probably going to pronounce this wrong but i want to give it a try okay Uh, all right let's let's let's, you're braver than i 
I, I, it's, I, I catch a clue, Ufomadu, I believe. Uh, so Ike uh, <clears throat> comes from his name, the first three letters of his name. And th- th- this was initially, uh, th- the first thing that they made was words with Ike. And then it was sort of like a concept. And then they grew the movie after that. <laughs> words with Ike was... Uh is a 10 minute short that's included on this disc. It's really, really weird. Uh, we were watching it with a friend and he said, I feel like I'm high, but I'm not. Yeah. It's, it's got just a really strange energy to it. And I feel like it's a really good way of introducing this film. Uh, because like the, the first time I watched this, I was a little bit more mixed on it. There, there's definitely parts of it that I found really funny, but a lot of the more, uh, uh, improv comedy area stuff uh, I, I was a little less sure of but preceding it with watching words with Ike and then going into the movie you're in the right frame of mind for the energy of the movie mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just very well very avant-garde yeah so like it's it's just him in a black room and it's sort of uh sort of the these retro British TV things where you'd have a scholar in a black room on a stool who'd like explain something to you. And it's just him giving a definition of a word. And like the first one is fountainhead, but then it gets really abstract and like it's the word a, like the letter a, but the word a, and he has a multiple episodes on the word nerd <laughs> <laughs> or, or the one, the word Melissa. It is the name of a type of plant. Or the woman who broke my heart. Uh, it's the Greek word for honey. That, uh, oh, right. Okay. So, girl with blonde hair who uh, stole my heart. Uh, and then there's the Christmas special where he's gotten together with Melissa and uh, everything's just peachy. <laughs> <laughs> and at the, at the end, it's like, oh, now we've covered all the words, but are there more words? Maybe there are. We'll find out. Yeah, well, the, he has the words appear on the screen and like, are there more words out <laughs> oh, there? Yeah. yeah. Are hmm. there more words out there? Yeah. Like yeah. All, all lighting up and like, well, my team will find them and define them for you. Uh, yeah, it's it's a it's just like a really great little short and just a, a very good way of introducing the the energy of the character of Inspector Egg, because uh, he is excuse me uh he is still the main character uh it's still basically the same dude yeah yeah just in a completely different setting and role because like he even calls himself detective ike at one point in words (laughs) right so i guess he got a promotion maybe at some point so inspector ike is essentially a columbo parody like it's very very heavily columbo influenced because uh he he's just sort of badgering the guy into confessing <laughs> and yeah, like, like, he shows up and he's figured it out and he's just going to badger the guy until uh he makes him uh just say that he got it right basically yeah but like <laughs> but gently yeah in a, in a like friendly things... sort of fashion but also like a parody of it like like at one point he's asking like did you do it absolutely not absolutely not you could have just said no (laughs) like everybody else 
Yeah, and and just he immediately gets on the defensive because he is the guy who did it, of course. And he's and like they've they've obviously cast the biggest actor. Not, not, oh, like I don't God. mean in terms of like he's the most famous, but just he's the guy who's acting the biggest because he's the villain. So they cast the guy <laughs> the who's going so to good. act the biggest, uh, the guy with the most hilarious frown. Oh, he, very this important. man can scowl you out of a room. Oh, just like a like a, a Bert from Bert and Ernie scowl of disapproval mm, whenever uh, he sees uh, Inspector Ike following him around or something. Or when he's on stage with his best friend, who's a superior actor. Yeah, because he's his understudy. Yeah. Uh, or just like, you know, when he's uh, doing most things, it's it's sort of his his uh, go to face. Yeah, and he has like a big, huge speech at the end that he just he, he just eats all the scenery. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a part where everybody gets sick of his shit during one of his speeches. That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So, uh, so they really like they're really playing into like that. This is a lost movie of a series that exists. That apparently exists somewhere out there. And, yeah, and like it really does feel like it's part of a series like that. Like these characters have like this whole. Th- I don't know. It really feels like they exist outside of just this movie. There's like an existing character dynamic between the other two police officers, and like they're sort of like coded as sort of a will they won't they sort of couple, but where they they're not there. You don't come out and say they're a couple, but they kind of act couple uh, uh, You just and, need to fill out some forms with HR yeah. if you are. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, uh, and like you, you've got the incredible, incredible opening sequence. And and I want to <laughs> call out before we even get to that, that it, it has uh, uh, like a network preview thing where it's like, uh, oh, yeah. A new episode of Inspector Ike is about to start. Right. Right about It's very, very slow, very drawn out. And then when, like, it cuts to the first screen uh, of, like, something happening in the cold open with our villain, it, it's New York sit. And then, like, it ha- there's a long pregnant pause before <laughs> the Y is added to New York yeah. City as well. That was so, really fun. So we actually we start with our opening theme song. Uh, before oh, we get to the theme. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how the song actually goes, but like it's just showing, you know, it's it's the theme song of a, the theme opening credit sequence of a detective show where like you see <laughs> this is just like a montage of him arresting various people. And the, you get three and they're you get three all and great. they're amazing. So <laughs> he has a very unique way of arresting people, you see. Um, the first guy, I, I don't know, I guess he's ordering something at like an outdoor restaurant mm-hmm. and, and the, the waiter comes and lifts up the silver platter and it's, it's handcuffs. <laughs> it's handcuffs. And then the guy looks up and sees the waiter is Inspector Ike who just 
lifts a glass of champagne and lifts just up his champagne flute him. and he's like, huh. and he's like, ah, oh, you know, he does the cot villain. Oh, you, uh, yeah. you know, and like musically, you have sort of, and and throughout the whole thing, it's sort of the classic '70s cop show uh, production music. It's not yeah. quite the same, but they're sort of doing that kind of style. Uh, so the second one is the kid, right? <laughs> a little kid who gets handcuffs for Christmas and Inspector Ike's Santa Claus. That one is so amazing. Like he's <laughs> opening up this box and like the box, it's it's handcuffs. And he looks up and it's Ike with a, a Santa beard on and a hat, but like still and holding up the champagne glass. flute. Uh, like, ab- absolutely hysterical. I laughed incredibly hard at it when I, I saw it the first time. Uh, and just notably, the kid has stripy pajamas like he's mm-hmm. in the prison outfit. I thought that was really <laughs> funny, too. It's like but, an, an extra layer to it because I, I didn't notice it in the opening, but then I noticed it in the end credits when they show him again. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, now, the third one's my favorite because it's like a magician's assistant doing this thing where she's oh, yeah. getting out of handcuffs. And she and then, does. And she does. She does it. And then she goes and reaches into the top hat to pull out a rabbit. And it's handcuffs. And there's Inspector Ike with the magicians. Yeah, or Inspector like, Ike is the magician. Yeah, with this <laughs> glass of champagne. Perfect. Like I could have done with maybe four or five more of these because every single one of them made me laugh so hard. Like what a, what a great little hook. I and they do it at the end of the the episode as well. Uh, and yeah. like they do they do a version of it for this one. And it's just like I I want this. I love this. This is like I could watch uh, an hour long supercut of these if these really existed. Yeah, like you want the show to be real. Uh, in, in the booklet for the set, there's like uh, an episode guide to Inspector Ike with a list of uh, episode titles and directors and uh, like plots and everything. And it's like, oh, I wish these were real. Oh, yeah, I, I see it. Actually, I'm looking. The Cannoli Accord, a mobland assassin at a beloved Italian party or pastry shop, leads Inspector Ike on an epic quest through crime land in which he squares off against the six families facing the dons of each of the five boroughs and then travels to Sicily for a tete-a-tete with Il Capo, the shadowy puppet master. <laughs> like, oh it must have been a God. season finale. That's a big one. <laughs> Yeah, I wish they existed. Oh. I, I would totally watch more of these. Uh, so I kind of, I, I I hope this did well enough that they maybe do try maybe uh, pitching another one because it's yeah. so much fun. Yeah. Um, what else is included besides the episode guide is the another very important uh, part of the Inspector Ike uh, um, canon is the recipe card. The because Inspector Ike is a cooking show, too. The, the official Inspector Ike recipe card. Uh, so, yeah, because he, he th- this this week's recipe, chili. Chili. <laughs> now, I, I'm looking at this card and there is not enough room to write the recipe. No, no, definitely not. Like, I, I thought I was going to write down the recipe, like, in my notes and then. Uh, it's a big recipe. There's a lot. 
It's um, detailed, yeah. It's, yeah. it's a real chili recipe. He, yeah, he actually yeah. does demonstrate it and make it, and then they eat it. Yeah. That's part of the plot of the film, which is re- or <laughs> part of the plot of the story, which is really fun. Uh, I, like, again, a good hook for one of these weird detective shows, because they oh, all yeah, have like, their sort of individual things. Yeah, yeah, like like how many... He must have made the... He must have made special cannoli for Il Capo. In I that guess so. in, that, in that other episode, like <laughs> presumably, yeah. and and like the the, I, and and there's so many little quirks that he has. Like there there's all of these little hooks that it's like clearly a running gag of the character. I like lost my his, appetite. I lost my appetite, and just <laughs> him preparing these or being served these bizarre meals. Uh, at which he uh, hears some news and loses his appetite, so he does not eat the disgusting thing you've seen him elaborately <laughs> prepare, for instance. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we begin in the avant-garde theater district. <laughs> and we've got uh, a guy in a Chinese theater mask, I think, like maybe a no theater mask? Uh, I think so, yeah, making out with a mime. Making out with a mime, or they're they're on a smoke break here. They're oh yeah, making no, out the, the next out time is we the see next them. Time, yeah. yeah. And we uh, avant garde alley. Avant garde alley, and we've got like extras, like these three, like just can can dancers or whatever, walking down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, but and we cut to our our killer and his girlfriend Jed. Who are who are sitting down to see a play? Uh, how play. long is this play? <laughs> well, let me ask you this: How long is the average work day? How long is the average American day of work? It's like, <laughs> about eight hours. Well, actually, <laughs> like, if you include lunch break and unpaid breaks and commute time, it's probably closer to twelve. But that's 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 a different discussion. Yeah, that, that's that's not. Uh, the work day that he's doing because he is uh, <laughs> he's got <laughs> he's got a different work day planned it's al's pizza uh so like um th- this is kind of just a, a really fun concept because it, it does feel like this sort of avant-garde art mm-hmm. scene kind of thing like it, it is it's almost a portlandia gag <laughs> well what it is yeah is is we just the play is just Al working at a pizza place for eight hours doing a full shift. And he literally is just doing his shift because like he has the phone there from the work and he has like a guy to take orders. Yeah. But he's also like awkwardly looking at the audience. Yeah. And, and like, there's no when, kitchen present. I, I really like his arrival into uh, the, the black box theater. Like he comes in and everyone applauds and he, he like kind of squints at the light. And he's like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. He opens up. <laughs> okay. Okay. He sits <laughs> down at the desk and he's like trying to just scribble something. And like Jan's like, I work in a restaurant. Why did you, why would you think I'd want to do this? Well, like you, you wanted want? to see a play, <laughs> and now you're seeing a play, and now you're complaining about it. And like, yeah, so he's he's you know pitching it as this great piece of avant-garde theater, and yeah, I guess that's the concept is you know you you watch this guy's full day of work, and and like she's alerted to it notably by people like all doing synchronized swigs of giant water bottles and people <laughs> stretching and like 
getting out blankets and uh, like huge amounts of food. It's like, how long is this play? <laughs> <laughs> I really like Jan. I I, I like Jan. Yeah, I do too. She, yeah, she's she's really cool. Oh yeah. So as the play is going, like he he's offering her like, would you like some milk? I'm afraid it's a little bit warm. <laughs> he's like, oh, uh, are are you cold? It's like, uh, I don't know. It's like, wouldn't you like you like to snuggle up? And he like pulls out a blanket. It's like, oh, thank you. Like, how about a turkey leg? He pulls out a turkey leg. <laughs> like, you look like you could use a nosh. It's like, uh, thank you. <laughs> so, so, so like. The, the sleepiest possible environment, watching people do her job on stage, <laughs> yeah. and like a boring version of her job. Like she's a waitress. Uh, and yeah. so this is a pizza place and it's just like the guy answering phones and ringing <laughs> the bell and having inane conversations with his assistant or just sitting there eating pizza. Or, or asleep at one point. <laughs> possibly for like a long segment of time because yeah we I, I think we catch up initially with them eating it and that's when uh he's starting to like give her the blanket and the, everything like and, and then you know she starts to fall asleep as well yeah and he's and he's which is what he's been waiting for but you know by waiting for her to fall asleep, he's staring a hole into her head waiting for her to fall asleep. <laughs> he's so incredibly obviously the bad guy. Uh, and this is sort of a thing, like, it's it's exaggerated, but you see this a lot in the Columbo episodes where you have the cold open where you, are, you know you are being introduced to the villain who's about to do the crime for which the episode will be about. And that's sort of a weird way to structure it because you already know how things happen. So when Columbo shows up and he instinctively knows it, you buy it a little bit more because you're like, well, yeah, he's right. I know I saw it happen. <laughs> well, yeah, it also takes like it makes it different from a like a murder mystery and that it's not a mystery it's not a who done it because you know who done it it's a will he get away with is, it yeah how is uh how is he going to slip up how is colombo going to catch him right or where is he going to catch him what what in this opening sequence gave him away you know yeah that sort of thing oh yeah that's right i was like trying to watch because uh, at the end of this they say did you find all the clues <laughs> there were 49 I, there were 47 of them. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I dig that. Uh, I don't know if there was, but there are a few. There's that, a hand. That you do find when that he doesn't really necessarily draw attention to that you could find if you're watching right. a second time. Uh, yeah, so when she's finally asleep, he sneaks over to the theater next door, I guess. Uh, the avant-garde theater uh, where his buddy Chip is waiting for him chip uh and who notably all of them all three of these people wearing like tan jackets and yeah uh, mustard uh mustard turtlenecks. turtlenecks oh great 70s uh, uh costuming in this like in inspector ike's purple suit is great too mm. love it <laughs> yeah so here we have a very very long scene of him killing, getting ready to kill Chip because first he's like, "I have something for you, Chip," and he reaches into his like the side of his like the 
the pocket of his suit where you'd put a gun and he pulls out a script and is like, I just got accepted to a new play. Or oh, no, he's great. he's going to audition for or no, he's going to audition for the first for time. Yes. He's going to audition for a lead because uh, he's mostly been working as this guy's understudy and that's his beef. Yeah. Uh, so like th- this is kind of an interesting scene in uh, sort of him constantly being threatening and like all of these moments where he's he seems like he's going to unleash something and doesn't yeah and and like the guy's <laughs> on edge and then he's like okay uh and uh i i like the guy the the other dude uh, uh chip 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 is really funny he is <laughs> Uh, cause so his, his plot, uh, our, our bad guy's plot is to have, he, he's going to read this, this, uh, monologue about yeah, this monologue that sounds like a suicide note. Yeah. Or like, I, I'm going to disappear. Uh, this is how it is meant to be. Don't look for me. But he's acting it just the most absurd way anyone could possibly say i am going to disappear don't look for me and chip's like is how it's meant to be it's like hmm and chip's Uh, just like this is how it's meant to be he's like wait what was that do that again and and he you know he cajoles him into reading the lines uh, dramatically so that it seems like he's leaving a suicide note of course yeah, uh, it's and like, then well, why do you need to record me doing this? Uh, so I can study you. Yeah, it's like you you wouldn't want me to uh, study your performance only this one time so that I can learn from memory. Uh, I want to be able to look at it again and again. It's like, okay. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, the, again, still nothing happens. And He's like, okay, well, I gotta meet my wife for that chili date. Uh, he's like, well, I'll take you down. And <laughs> Chip's <laughs> like, D- downtown, right? Yes, <laughs> I yes. will definitely take you down. I'm going to take you down. Town. Down. 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 <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna take you down. 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 Downtown. Yes, downtown. Yes, downtown. I'm going to take you downtown. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so they get into Harry's car. And Chip's like the, the interior of the car is already covered in a tarp. He he is like sitting on a tarp and's like, hey, uh, what's what's going on here, buddy? And, and Harry points a gun and is like, oh, oh shoot, what did he say here? Something like, I don't know. He said something. I don't know. I didn't write it's it like down. Like I'm, I'm, it's like a sorry, I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, probably. Uh, and. Uh, take a bow. He he tells him to take a bow. Oh and yeah, he then does he, he do takes, a dramatic bow. He does a dramatic bow before getting shot, but he gets blood splatter. Oh yeah, so he so then he buries a chip and the tarp and the gun. I want to call got, out though the the way yeah. they do the gunshot because oh, it's yeah, right, right. supposed to be it's an episode so of seventies TV. Uh, so yeah. they can't do someone getting shot in the face. So they just have no. the screen go red and like in a close of his face and there's a flower, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like yeah. an animated flower and like a trail going from in like to his eye. <laughs> yeah. And, and he's like doing the, like the, the screen face with his hands up. 
so like dude shot him in the eye uh i guess and yeah so it's just like it is represented by like a purple flower so it looks kind of silly and psychedelic it was like wow he just shot that dude in the eye and like the the you know the the petals of the flower are like you know the splat of him yeah. getting shot which is it's pretty funny but like cartoony graphic it's it's neat well it, it's also like the kind of graphic that would be that totally you would acceptable. expect to see in a syndicated show too like yeah oh, this is this is the getting shot graphic or the the getting killed graphic yeah like you you can do this with standards and practices yeah yeah, and, and actually, yeah, I don't think it even had a gunshot sound. It had, like, some other kind of sound effect. Mm-hmm. I, well, I think it's just, like, it was a cut to commercials, so it's like a... Oh, that's what it was, yeah. It freeze one of those on sort his, of things. Like, yeah, yeah, on his terrified face. Although, of yeah, course, so... they don't have commercials in no. this. Oh, man, it, could you imagine if they did? That would be a fun thing, although it would add a lot of extra time. This movie already moves actually pretty slow um intentionally so because that's it's how supposed the movie, to, yeah it's, it's supposed, supposed to be, be very mellow and way. leisurely we're we we know from the beginning who the bad guy is and what happened what the crime is and all of the pieces and it's a watch them put it together puzzle and and that's how these are sort of meant to play out they're really comfy tv yeah yeah, so yeah, he buries uh he buries the body and the tarp and the gun, but he's got a blood stain on his arm. Someone chipped blood got on him. Oh no. Oh no. And then he as he's leaving the theater, um, he's stopped by this old lady who's like, I left my wallet there. And my well, lucky umbrella. Well, you you can't go in right now. We're closed. You can't do it. No. Well, I, I just need my wallet. I all my credit cards are in there. It's really important. C- come back on opening night. No, go away. Bye. Well, he's like, we're, it's like, well, when will it be open? I live all the way in Yonkers. It takes a really long time to get here. He's like, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know, opening night? You yeah. Know, <laughs> you know, when the theater's open, obviously. Yeah. And just like, uh, he, he makes a very big, ridiculous villainous production of himself obviously of course uh which you know makes it such a key uh interaction that we're that is obviously going to be his downfall (laughs) right from the beginning (laughs) yeah but after doing that really long uh, rehearsal scene uh shooting a man digging a hole burying the hole uh dealing with the old lady he just gets back in time for the play to be over yeah, and uh, he, he, uh, what, what is it like? He screams because, um, like, he goes, oh, "Oh, wow, what a, what a play!" I, I can't remember what it is that startles him for a second. I, I think he has an image, like he has a quick flashback image of oh, when yeah. he shot him. Yeah, maybe because um, he, he's always he having these flashes pretty of it. Quick. Yeah. Yeah, that that's another thing that another main thing that leads to his undoing. Mm-hmm. He he's very guilty. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, the the next day, uh, the next day they are at the play that him and Chip are doing that he's understudying, which and is <laughs> Manny, by the way. Manny. I love that. Like they hold back the reveal of what the play is called. So you just kind of have to figure it out by context. <laughs> and it's like, is this, 
Annie? Gender bend version of Annie? With Chip initially, and then, of course, our guy. What is his name, by the way? Uh, Harry something. Harry. Uh, yeah, Harry as Annie, as... like orphan Annie. Yeah. Because, like, we just slowly see you as he's rehearsing all these different times. First, he's got, like, the red wig, and then he's actually singing It's a Hard Knock Life. Well, like, yeah, he has a couple, like, little tiny bits where we see the end of a performance, and it's like, I think that's Annie. And then, finally, at the very end, when he's coming out on stage to do the opening, he's saying, it's a hard knock life, and then, like, what... (laughs) realizes that like the play isn't actually happening around him <laughs> yeah yeah so good gag though yeah man oh, that, that's very great. funny like a, a very well long withheld reveal <laughs> it's like oh yeah it's manny okay yeah <laughs> like it feels more of a mystery putting that together than who the murderer is well, yeah, because we know from the opening well i mean because we know yeah so yeah the the lady cop um I didn't write down the other cops' names. I don't know. Sh- shows up at the theater. It's like, there's something you guys need to see. And it's <laughs> a dog. It's a cute dog. It's a boxer, I think. Yeah. Oh. It's oh. It like, now there's something a lot less fun you have to see. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the suicide tape. Yeah. And it's like, and uh, his immediate, like, super overacting reaction to it. It's My like, God. What does this mean? Is Chip okay? Did he hurt himself? What could this mean for Chip and for the play? And also, like, when they were all there, we have that scene of him sneaking past all of them uh, and, like, going past uh, in the background, like, through the line of seats behind them and going somewhere and, like, putting something in... I think he puts the tape somewhere. Oh, hmm. earlier. Oh, or, oh, earlier. Yes, yeah. He puts it in like their dressing room, I think. Yeah, something like that. And then comes back, yeah. uh, and then to to act surprised. But like yeah. really theatrically, like there's a whole scene of them talking and him like sneaking past in the background behind them, but like barely sneaking, just like going directly past behind them. Yeah, like in the row of seats behind them. Like, uh, not like sneaking, but like Daffy Duck sneaking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, so the, so the cop's like, well, hey, just hold all your questions for when the inspector gets here. And he's like, who is this inspector who thinks he is so great that we are not to speak until he arrives? And there's a drum roll. <laughs> and a drum roll. <laughs> and <laughs> <a> spotlight. <laughs> and like, you see Inspector Ike's silhouette, but that's not the best <laughs> the best part is the shadow of Inspector Ike put like adjust an actual painting on the wall with his finger. Like in the corner of the spotlight, there's a crooked <laughs> painting and like his shadow, the, the finger of his shadow reaches up and tilts it back up into place before Ike himself steps into frame. Great gag. Really good. Really good. Really good. And he's like, I'm Inspector Ike. I'm the greatest detective in New York, and I'm here to solve this case. Great. And, like, and, and the students or the the actors are like kind of t- chatting amongst themselves. They're like, I've heard of Inspector Ike. Oh, man, he solved every case in New York. Well, except Son of Sam. Right. 
<laughs> I want to see. I want to see the uh, Inspector Ike Son of Sam episode. Yeah, the Inspector Ike versus Son of Sam episode. The the one where he failed. Oh yeah. I mean, like the really yeah. dark episode. <laughs> uh yeah. So he, so he he goes up to everyone. He's like, all right, who did it? <laughs> Was it you? <laughs> Was it you? No. Was it you? <laughs> no. Just going down the line to every single actor with, of course, uh, Harry at the very end of the line. With, like, the, his, like, big eyes and his frown, like, absolutely not. Yeah, his... <laughs> Inspector Ike just, like, goes to walk away and then he comes back. Wait. Absolutely not. You could have you could have just said no, like everyone else here. Well, I wanted to convey just how much important it was. Well, on a scale of one to ten. 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 With one being you didn't do it, then one. <laughs> it was like, and, and he, they, they, he like plays back and forth and like, how sure and like, uh, no hesitation whatsoever. And he like has a long pause. Long pause. Oh, I, I love this right. movie is not afraid of super uncomfortably long pauses. <laughs> like we. Like, no hesitation whatsoever. <laughs> it, if we try, if we tried to replicate how long the pauses are on the podcast, it would not work. Yeah, too much dead air. Uh, it's much. it's not good for an audio medium, but it's really funny in a a, a video medium where like you see people looking at each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. And yeah, we we have like talking to the cops, um, discussing the case where he's putting his lunch together. This like big. I don't know what it is. It's like a sandwich that he's it, like constructing out of. It looks like something out of like not quite an epic meal time, but one of those old YouTube channels where you'd have people kit bashing a bunch of different fast food products together. Like this might yeah. actually be one of those because he, he, he's he's got like a Subway sub and he's got like a couple McDonald's cheeseburgers and like he takes the buns off of those and puts them on the uh sub and then like dumps a couple i think like maybe three taco bell tacos on there <laughs> with like out of the shells yeah while they're discussing and the two cops are sharing a notebook because the one lost his <laughs> <laughs> they're so cute by the way the, the two, two cops, cops are they are adorable <laughs> they're they're kind of just lovably childlike yeah they're they're not good cops they have to be the contrast to how great of an of a detective inspector ike is they're, but they're fun they're, yeah they're just kind of lovably dopey sidekick characters who uh have some sort of romance yeah and they're quiet and they're like, well, romance yeah well, did they really kill himself oh there's no body and they have like this discussion and inspector ike's just like lost my appetite <laughs> he gets up <laughs> Dumps the sandwich monstrosity on the floor, and the cop's like, I hate when he does that. He's like, why does he always want to do that? Because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, like, uh, when he first comes into the dressing room, he's like, you got my lunch? And they hand him this huge bag, because it's, like, these multiple lunches that he's, yeah. like... <laughs> combining all into the one like it's just incredible devotion to a bit because he does this a few times in the movie like not this exact thing but you know yeah, variations but like, of it yeah like the, the camera is focused on him building the sandwich as they're discussing the case 
Yeah, you get all of these like POV shots of like his hands sculpting the stuff on the bread and him like closing the 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 sandwich and everything. It looks gross. <laughs> like he does look <laughs> it disgusting. Does. But uh it's it's just fun to see him like like uh I'm I actually going to watch this guy eat this thing? Like no, of course not. He's just going <laughs> to dump it on the floor. <sighs> So we come back to Harry, who's like super happy now. Uh, when he comes home to Jan, he's like, "Guess what? I've been cast as the lead." And Jan's like, oh. "Well, no, he, he, he walks in and like at, just as he's saying it, he realizes that Ike is there." Oh right, yeah. Ike is like, there at the table with Jan. <laughs> I'm talking to Jan, it's like, "Did you hear about?" Or I'm so sad about Chip. He's like, "Oh yeah, yeah me too." That too. Uh, so Chip's or no, she's like Chip is Chip is missing. He's like, yeah. oh yeah, that uh, yeah. That too. And, and Ike thing, yeah. is there. Uh, yeah. He's, he's like, like, yeah, I'm... I've just been talking to Jan about your uh, seeing the play yesterday. Oh yeah, well me and Chip were quite close. Were are are. are. And yeah, he discuss he like talks about. <laughs> He talks about like uh, Harry's acting experience, and Harry's all like, "Well, what makes you such a great detective?" And then he goes off on this like whole thing that I could not write down all of well, it. Like, but he's like, they're, "They're both giving their credentials." So like, yes. he's giving his uh, his acting bona fides. He he studied at like the school of little hats in France or something. Yeah. Uh, and you know, he, he, he went to mime school. He, he's done all of these like actual, yeah. he, he studied at Juilliard and so forth. And then inspector <laughs> Ike gives his, which, which is just like this incredible origin story that I would absolutely love to see. Uh, it, it starts involving, with like, 40 years on the force, which is funny. Cause he's like at most 45. Yeah, I don't think he's that old. I, th- I think I he's don't like, think he's forty years old. Actually. I, yeah, I think he's younger than than us. Uh, he, but yeah, <laughs> there's that, and he has, like, he he goes to see the Dalai Lama, I think. And yeah, he, he joins the French Foreign Legion. Uh, does a stint as a pickpocket in um, Milan or something. Yeah, like he, you know, he's he's worked on both sides of the law. He's become a, a, a he, he's got like a Sherlock Holmes origin. He's he's done it all. <laughs> and it's like, well, that's extensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So <laughs> so Harry's got his theory that the pressure from all these different characters that he's playing, the pressure might have got to him. And uh, and as I. And, and then Ike gets up, but he bumps the table, which spills the chili right on the arm. That uh, right Harry, in the Harry exact same the, space where the blood was. Yeah, which has uh, got Harry like rattled. Which also notably, chili is just a, a real <laughs> constant in it throughout the episode because you know he was supposed to go on a chili date with yeah. his wife, uh, and now when he's home, uh, Jan has made chili and they have this pot of chili. Uh, so yeah, it, it, it constantly recurring even before he's done the chili recipe and made it for them when it looks exactly the same as the one that they have here. <laughs> yeah. Just wanted to note that. Oh yeah, well, well, chili is the <laughs> recipe of the week. It is, but he's um, going to personally make the, a pot of chili in that pot that looks exactly like this chili that we're seeing much oh, earlier yeah. in the episode. Oh yeah. 
already made. <laughs> the next scene, he's talking to Chip's wife and looking at all the photos of Chip and like of his acting performances. And there are all these black and white photos and every single one of them. You can see Harry in the background just seething. Just with the hatred the, a huge, is palpable. Hilarious scowl. Usually, like, often, like, both arms out, hulking by his side. Like, just skulking. Yeah, evil, yeah. Like looking, the... looking like a ghoul. <laughs> and, and, like, it's like, well, they did appear on stage together once. And it's, it's Harry as a footstool with his death glare. Just hilarious death glare and like, uh, you know, Chip with his uh, legs on uh, his back while he he's a human stool. It's like, yeah, it's a long day's journey into night. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah, so Inspector Ike's like mentioning how uh, Chip was actually really wealthy and this is a really modest place. And she's like, and the wife's like, well, you know, Chip doesn't like... uh, spending his money he doesn't even touch all the money he's got like yeah he's never touched his inheritance something like his parents own like a big chunk of new york waterfront or something right right that's what it was yeah but it's like hey we live here there's warm hot dogs downstairs i'm just (laughs) it took me two watches of the movie to realize i'm like wait a sec warm hot dogs aren't they just warm dogs then (laughs) <laughs> well, I, I think more notably, the, the point is that, like, this is her, you know, selling it. It's like, oh, no, it's great. There's warm hot dogs downstairs. It's the best. When really, like, it, she is kind of also in on it. And she was. Oh, yeah. She uh, she wants the money because this place sucks. Yeah. And the like the the warm hot dogs is not like sort of a quirky like, oh, yeah, yeah. No, warm hot dogs are great. There's like. Yeah, it's great. There's warm hot dogs downstairs, but she she sells it with the peppy sort of it. like oh, quirky yeah. energy that it's like I'm not even sure cuz like the the way people talk about going on a chilly date is like yeah, this is sort of a slightly left of reality movie. You you don't quite <laughs> know what her tone is there. Yeah, yeah. So Ike's like, "Well, can I keep these photos for evidence? <laughs> <laughs> can I borrow these?" He's like, "Yeah, I'll take really great care of them." And then he just takes his arm and just sweeps everything off the table into a box. And then he goes across the room to a dresser and just sweeps everything off of there. But like, I the, I love the way he does the dresser stuff. Like, first he does, like, the big lazy sweep and just, like, some of it falls in the box. Like, it just, there happened to be a box next to the table and some of it falls <laughs> and it was just on the floor. Yeah. And then he just sort of, like, punts the box over a little bit to where there's, like, this, the sideboard and... Like a cat, he's just like picking he's just, items just, off like uh, a couple at a time, just sort of like, he's more like you know, brushing them, them off. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's like, oh, this is kind of fun. Uh, very, very funny. <laughs> and so, like, good again, like the extended slow moments of things just sort yeah. of playing out over a long period of just him very clumsily and uh not at all carefully knocking all of these things into a box without bothering to pick anything up or even lift the box yeah it's great very funny so when he leaves immediately after (laughs) harry comes to the the wife's house instantly instantly after to the point where it's like they must have seen each other in the hallway 
Except, you know, he would have just been skulking outside a door like that. Yeah. That totally fits for for Harry as a character to have just been skulking around a corner. I'm surprised we didn't With get a exact... shot of him doing that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or like, like just, yeah, just waiting for Inspector Ike to be gone and just like. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, he comes in. Uh and she's like, you're not supposed to come here and all that stuff. And he's like, hey, look, we, we had a bit of a snag. You need to return this old lady's wallet to her so that because she saw me at the theater. Just return her this wallet and she goes away. Mm-hmm. And he's like and she's like, um, all right. But, you know, this this has to be the last like this better still work because I want my inheritance and you've got your lead in the play. Mm hmm. He got what he wanted. He's he's killed the main guy, so now he's not the understudy. He's the main. He's the lead. <laughs> well deserved Ooh. role too. <laughs> Very weird. Um, yeah. So yeah, they're in cahoots. Uh, so we got we've got Inspector Ike looking at the tape in the office, and he notices something. He's like, hmm, "They make remotes get... for these things." Yeah. Yeah. It's like the camera. No, uh, no, I don't think so. Yeah, the camera. Like, no, they don't, because he noticed that the the recording shut off, but he didn't get up to end the recording, which mm-hmm. he would have had to do, or another person was present. Right. So this is the 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 initial flaw. It's like, yeah. okay, there's foul yeah. play here. Yeah, they're discussing uh, each of the girlfriend's alibis. Uh, how Chip's wife was waiting for him for the chili date, and uh, Jan was with Harry at the play. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't know that she fell asleep for most of it yet. Right. Uh, <laughs> it's like, all right, check the airport. Maybe he went to the Taj Mahal. Oh, but it's the rainy season, though. Oh, now, like, yeah, you got to. <laughs> he's like, no, this is the best time of year for it. And like, really? And it's like. I thought that it was the rainy season. Like, no. He's like, oh, I got, I got to move my flight. <laughs> <laughs> I always book on the rainy. They always book me on the rainy season. Oh, well, I'll set you up with my travel agency. What do, what do you use? Oh, I use rainy day. Rainy, oh, oh rainy day I use sunny day travel. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and this goes on for like a few minutes. Yeah, they, they do a whole routine. Um, yeah, and Inspector X just looking at them. Well, like just the the Taj Mahal thing is like, oh yeah, I, I, it would be really difficult to find him there right now because it would be so busy with tourists. Like, and and he he just like is kind of nodding, humoring them all all through. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, sure, right. Yeah, while they're discussing canceling their flights, and they're now one thing they say is like it's the rainy season in Japan right now. Taj Mahal's not in Japan. No. Just throwing that out there. Yeah. Uh, so we we cut to the lady, uh, the wife dropping off the old lady's wallet outside her house. Very conspicuously, she's like hiding behind a tree and gets completely spotted. Well, because like she she drops it off and she's left it on the steps, but she's just like standing behind a tree uh, directly across the street, and it's not like. A big tree, so like no, she's you, not fully not hidden behind tree. it. No. no, and like the lady sees her on her way there, and after she's picked it up, and she has nowhere to go from there. Like there's no 
places to hide behind when she leaves the tree. So the lady's looking directly at her across yeah. the street, watching the wallet. She's like, watches her walk away. Like, yeah. hmm, well, that didn't go the best. Uh, so we get Harry performing uh, at the theater and Ike shows up uh, again and and he's like says to the director, he's like, hey, is it OK if I take five? Five seconds? No, f- five minutes. Well, okay. th- this is also where he he's supposed to, he we, we see just the very end of his bit where he's like, away, and she's like, I'm going to be brutally honest with you. You're good. And it's <laughs> like go, goes through a whole routine. It was like, yeah, it could be great, but really good. You're everybody else is really uh, stressed out about this thing. But you just you're you're doing it perfect like you show up your again tomorrow and do the it the your eyes are on the prize it's like you're you're doing great uh and then like later on we see him doing an identical end of thing and it cuts to her again and she's like what was that dog shit that was awful you are <laughs> just ruining this whole thing get your head in the game like for the exact same performance yep. identical thing <laughs> oh, i didn't even same. realize it was the exact same <laughs> like i don't know if it's exactly the same, but it's, like practically identical we're, we're not seeing anything different between them yeah so we have this great bit of visual storytelling here where we've got inspector ike talking to chip or um to to harry and in the background when we see harry we see the players performing their thing and it's like they're kind of being like harry's inner thoughts here like first and they're sort uh, of like presented over his shoulder and Ike yeah. is just like on the other side of him. So like they're he's there between the two of them, but like like literally on Harry's side and over his shoulder like angels and devils. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Ike's like, yeah, well, you know, I went to the DA's office and uh, I figured it's a suicide. We could just wrap it all up. <laughs> and you got like the players like doing like a yeah cheering thing. But and then I thought. <laughs> and they stop. <laughs> I thought, you know, there's those cameras don't have a remote control. Somebody would have had to have been there to uh, to turn it off. So he's like presenting his theory, which happens to be exactly what happened. Yeah, he, he and, gives it goes through what we saw at the beginning, basically. Yeah. And Harry's like, well, do you have any evidence, anything? Do you have this gun or maybe the script that he would have had to have read off of? And he's like, I don't have the script, but doggone it, I wish I did. And when when he realizes Harry has a flash that he remembers he accidentally buried the body with the script in the pocket. Mm-hmm. And so what I love what Inspector Ike says to him here is like, well... I'm going to leave this case open just in case. But uh, yeah, you think real hard and let me know if you dig something up. Because <laughs> like he was reading his thoughts because he's the TV detective. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, <laughs> and Harry doesn't have a good poker face. No, he has the worst poker face imaginable. <laughs> like he, he does scowl like he's a Muppet. <laughs> it's like the Kermit scrunchy face. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's As like all of like it reminds me of Bert, it reminds me of Kermit, it reminds me of uh Eddie Eagle. 
You know, because like he'd always get oh, upset yeah. about people being foolish. He's got that kind of energy. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So we we get to uh, Harry and Chip's wife uh, talking about the thing. Uh, she 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 slaps him. Well, she slapped him the first time, and now she slaps him again. But this time, like punches him and breaks a wine bottle on his head. She she like gives him a headbutt. She like yeah. uh, knees him in the groin. It's it's just like a whole series of hitting him. It's very very funny. Yeah, it's like I thought you said there was no mistakes. Hey, there's there weren't there aren't any mistakes. Just you know a little little mistake. Anyway, <laughs> did you drop off the <laughs> did you drop off the wallet? And did anyone see you? No. As we flash back to the lady looking, staring right at her. The lady very clearly seeing her and her just making a spectacle of herself. Yeah. Uh, So we've got Harry, like, pacing back and forth. He's got to get that script. He's trying to get the script. He leaves his house. There's Inspector Ike across the street, just standing there, hands in his pockets. Looking very cheerful. Just gives him a little wave, like, hi, Harry. I one thing I really like in the movie is that every time he gives that, because there's quite a bunch of times where he just gives a little uh, finger wave only, like just lifting yeah, one yeah. hand and giving the finger wave. And every time the the score goes twinkle, twinkle, twinkle. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. And, then, and then he does that thing where he disappears when a bus goes by. Yeah. And Harry is just scowling with the fury of a thousand suns. So he's back to his house. He's like, He's pacing, he's scratching at the where the blood spilled. He's hallucinating um, of, about the death. Uh, or, he's having lots know, of having visions of, and remembering him say, like, uh, anything for a friend. Anything for a friend, which we find out is, like, their catchphrase. Um, that kind and of something we, we had seen him say as well. Yeah, like, we saw him say that, yeah. Uh, so it's nighttime now. Uh, he wants to... So now he's got to go try to get the body, but the two deputy cops are outside in their terrible disguises. One of them's in an "I Love New York City" T-shirt. Yeah. Uh, I, I, the other, like they're they're clearly just themselves in in just <laughs> off-duty clothing. Like, yeah, this they is just look what they so wear. So much like cops. <laughs> so he. But so Harry manages to fool them by putting on like I shit you not old man pajamas and a nightcap with a candle, and he blows out the candle in front of the window. He well, like he goes up and he does a really stagey, oh yeah, the, big stagey yawn, yeah, yeah. and like you know he blows out the candle and he rolls down the shade. Of course, the light is still on in the apartment. Well, yeah, because he needs to put on his old man makeup and and transform. Because, like, he pulls out his whole improv makeup trunk, which is really fun. Yeah, yeah. So he gets this terrible old man disguise. And he's... Big putty nose, notably. And he's trying to, like... And he exits the apartment, he's like trying to walk like an old man but he just ends up walking like a weird wooden soldier thing yeah he's not a very good actor as it turns out like the the actor is but the character is a bad actor he's a huge ham (laughs) like this guy shouldn't have should have never been anybody's understudy 
And so the the nose falls off. The nose falls off, and he reaches up to put it in his pocket, and the guy cop is like, "That guy's that nose guy's... just fell off." <laughs> and the girl cop's like, "Only in New York." <laughs> and you know he he goes and he digs the body back up and gets the the script and there's a funny bit where like the because the boss the corpse has got rigor mortis and keeps <laughs> slapping him in the face yeah he because like he he has his arms crossed across his chest and yeah. uh the script is in an inner pocket so he has to like pry the arms up and yeah it it slaps him like a good five or six times and it's funny every time <laughs> Like there's a couple times where both of them come down and slap him at the same time. It's very funny. Uh, so eventually he does get the script, um, gets back to the house. The cops are none the wiser and he burns it. And then Jan finds him and is like, why are you dressed like a dirty old man? Dirty old man. It's like, and he goes on one of his, like, I'm under a lot of pressure. Okay. Jan speeches. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, what? where have you been? Why didn't you call? What is going on with you? Very reasonably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's just, you know, does like this whole big freak out. Like, I don't want to talk about it. We'll talk about it tomorrow. I'm under too much pressure right now. I can't handle it. Leave me alone. And she's starting to become very suspicious of what was going on with him. Because she knows she was asleep that day. Yeah. And- uh, and she finds the old man, or like some some additional outfits in the closet. She finds the murder gloves and the mm-hmm. murder mustard blazer. Right. Although he was, yeah. Well, she he find she finds the murder gloves anyway. The blazer should be suspicious, but murder gloves. Hmm. Uh. Yeah. So. So yeah. Next is the scene where where you said where like. It's the same thing where it's like, hey, it's like, that was fucking terrible. That was go. You go take a a, a break and you come back here and you be on fire. Go hose yourself off. Go hose yourself off. That's right. (laughs) Be back in five minutes. Yeah. So we've got Inspector Ike going about his day, but a mysterious woman in (laughs) in a cloak is following her. It's Jan. It's Jen, uh, just yeah. for some reason wearing a cloak and trailing him. And she's like, she she confesses that, like, I don't really remember much of that day. It was a very boring play, and I slept through almost all of it. So it's like, I know he was with me at the beginning of the play, and I know he was with me at the end of the play, but I don't know where he was at the middle. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we have – before that, we have to have Inspector Ike's uh, – Discuss conversation with regular character diner lady, who of course is a regular character recurring throughout the series. I'm sure. Yeah, and he asks about all her kids and pets and individually, and he knows about all of them and all of their little foibles. Oh, uh, and how's your third cat? Oh, my third cat died. Oh, I'm so sorry. Thank, Thank you, you for, for remembering him. Yeah, uh, and he orders his his regular. <laughs> his regular. Which I'm Which, not totally sure what it is. It's, it's definitely it's half a cantaloupe. A cantaloupe but what's uh, on with it? like I, whipped cream and it looks like maybe bacon bits? I, my theory is that it's sour cream and bacon bits. Like a baked That's potato. That's actually, yeah. 
so yeah and he just a huge huge plume like a, a circular like a globe of of sour cream on top and just like a whole bunch of crunchy bacon bits it's like the size of his head it's gigantic and like they serve it on uh, on a plate in front of him after he's talked to it's got like flags in it mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's just and yeah after after appetite. he's talked to her he's like i lost my appetite <laughs> of course uh, i like to imagine that he never actually eats at this diner i mean presumably not he, <laughs> he's got to always lose his appetite hearing about crimes yeah but he comes in every day just doesn't eat anything sure it's a good paying customer just, oh, yeah. just give me the give me the usual something completely absurd that I will look at and not eat. <laughs> yeah, yep. Uh, so yeah, and he and he uh, tells Jen like, "Hey, Jen, maybe you should get out of town for a few days just to be safe." It's like I guess I could go to the Grand Canyon. You do that. Go to the Grand Canyon. And she goes home and she starts to pack, and uh, our guy shows up because he's on his break from his uh, five minute break yeah his five minute break which ends up being a really really long break as it turns out yeah so he's basically like oh going somewhere oh well um you know it was, uh, it's a surprise thing. go surprise pack vac- your go pack your bag now it's like the surprise vacation I bag now. for us i can't pack my bag it's opening night i've got this freaking plate oh yeah, wow, silly, I forgot. Can I still go on my vacation? Well, it's not opening night. It's like or, a, yeah, a week like, to opening night or something yeah. because she comes back for opening night later. Mm-hmm. After having gone to the Grand Canyon. Yeah, uh, yeah. so she's like, okay, well, uh, do you mind if I still go on vacation? And he's like, like I think I do mind. I think I do mind. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so... And, and the, here's where he starts doing his... You know I love you, Jen. You know I would never do anything to hurt you. Unless and you hurt me first. He he's got like a bottle of ether behind his back. Yeah, he's gonna ether her, and then there's a ring at the doorbell. And who could it be? Why it's Inspector, it's Inspector Ike. Ike, of course. And he's like, I just thought I'd show up, and he's got like a bag full of groceries. He's and like, I was just going by, and uh. I was coming by here with these, uh, gonna, gonna, with, with the, the ingredients for chili. It's like, do you mind if I slow cook a pot of chili on your, in, in your apartment for the next few hours? <laughs> yeah, so here's where we get the recipe. And this, like, I don't know cooking, but this looks like a real recipe. Yeah, I think it's a real recipe, more or less. It, it looks decent enough. Yeah. I cook. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> And, um, yeah, so <laughs> they're just staying in this apartment while he's cooking the chili. And they're just hanging out, but not really saying anything for presumably about four hours. Because, yeah, because he, he's doing a cooking show in that time. Like yeah. He's demonstrating how to mix the ingredients, what all the ingredients are. Uh, and he, uh, you know, he finishes that. And then it's Jan's time to head for the Grand Canyon. Yeah, uh, he he said like after they're eating it, he's like, "Well, well, Harry, what's the verdict?" And Harry's like, "I've had, I've better. had better." Oh, tough customer. Tough crowd. <laughs> well, Jim, but, time yeah. for you to be hitting the road to that Grand Canyon. 
Yeah, so he uh, he uh, safely helps Jan leave town. Mm-hmm. Um, and he decides – oh, yeah, he so he decides to call the wife and – or she calls him. I'm not sure. They're, they're calling. It's like – it's like, are you being followed by the police? Yes, no, maybe a little. Uh, he, he was just over here for like four hours talking about chili. <laughs> yeah. He was over there for four hours. <laughs> like you don't understand. It was a whole cooking show thing. <laughs> uh, it's like, no, I don't understand. What? Yeah. So Harry has another bad dream, and he wakes up. He drinks this god-awful coffee with a raw egg Uh, yeah no he has a beer and he pours the french press into it and then cracks an egg into it and to his credit he does take a sip of it too Mm -hmm. Brody. (laughs) so now we've got the montage of uh ike building the conspiracy board uh harry writing all out all of his notes about the crime to see if he's made any other mistakes and also Harry trying to perform at the same time. Yeah, we get a lot of shots of him in the Annie wig doing a bunch of dance moves, which are not very good. Like mostly just him kind of running and, you know, jumping yeah. and, and sort of uh, doing that stuff. Uh, and, and him just surrounded with all of these confession notes, basically. <laughs> that is like, you know, things that he did. Yeah. And, and- I... At, at the the police office, uh, the them using the tack board very poorly, and like the the, the lady cop uh, tacking her tie to the board, <laughs> tie to the board, and it's like we ran out of thumbtacks. <laughs> so, so Rita tries to get him to confess on tape, and it's like, and it's like, why don't you say what you did? Well, why? You know what I did. I don't need to say it. I did it. What did you do, Harry? But um, she she can't quite get him. Can't to. quite get him to. Is it is it right before this? Is it like in in the police montage where they're talking about evidence? Where they're like, uh, but we don't have any physical evidence, and they go yeah, through the right different here. types like, of physical evidence they can get. We don't have. A, it's like all right, I think we got it. What do we have missing? Uh, witness, evidence, body, uh, blood, footprints, uh, gun. Tears of sadness, tears, tears of, joy. of you know, not the sad kind. Um, uh, you know, other fluids from you know, maybe not some. Oh, maybe not we such... get we get a little more R-rated here. Or the poop. <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah, a pee. Uh, yeah, they, they they just go through like this this long abstract list, <laughs> which, which is like yeah, they they actually don't uh, have anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like no, yeah, no, we 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 ha- we really don't have anything at all. Just a theory. Yeah. Um. Oh, and this is the scene where the cops are all lovey-dovey. Yeah, and he's like, "Is there something? You know, there's something going on between you?" Because they they were going to go uh to a movie together. Uh, at, and it's oh, like, yeah. oh, I it's I, like... I guess I'll have to cancel that movie date. And he like turns to her and's like, "Uh, well, I'll be doing a thing, but I guess I'll see you at work." He's like, yeah, because we're we're both. He's like, is there a thing between you two? He's like, I'm just, <laughs> just like, no, no, this guy. No. <laughs> and like, <laughs> as they're doing it, they're like getting closer together and putting their they're arms told, around each other and like holding point, hands. One sitting on the other one's lap. 
And he's just like, well, if there is something, you just have to fill out a form with HR. That's like, all. Oh, yeah. Okay. 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 Uh, but yeah, it's it's very cute. Just to the yeah. the sort of gradual, like again, it's sort of like them playing with the trope of the the will they won't they thing or yeah. the kind of secret <laughs> relationship. Uh, and uh, this is interrupted by Rita phoning Ike about the recording. Mm-hmm. He's like, I would be interested in hearing that recording. So now we cut to it's finally opening night. Harry's big moment. But he gets up onto the stage and there's nobody there. Just a black, a blank stage. With well, notably, he, he comes out with, with the broom saying, oh, oh, yeah. it's a hard knock lie. Hmm, what? And it's just. You know, it's it's the stage from when he killed him. Yeah, of from, course. yeah, of course. The Set same camera, exactly the same the way. Chair. And Inspector Ike's like, uh, like Harry, I've got. I'm sorry, I had to cancel your little premiere, but I've got a script I'd like you to read. Well, I don't want to read it. And Inspector Ike freaking pulls a gun on him. And it's like, it's what like, are you going what to? A- yeah, I'm like oh, maybe you make a difference if I pull my big gun out. <laughs> are, are are you going to shoot me, officer? Maybe, or maybe, maybe I'm just going to shoot around you a whole bunch. It'll be loud scared. and scary. I'm like, do you really think that that's going to accomplish anything? He's like, I'm willing to find out. <laughs> <laughs> so he gets. Uh, so it's like, fine, I'll read the play, and he flips on the camera. And he's like, this. These aren't my words, by the way. I am being forced to read this under duress. And, of course, the play is the exact word-for-word part of the recording. Right. The, oh, oh uh, and, uh, You think this is a game to me? This is my life. Yeah, that's, that's what it was. And, oh, yeah, and he reveals uh, that, the, that uh, the audience has the two cops and the two girlfriends in the audience as well. Yeah. And he's all like, um, oh, yeah, that, that's something that happened before, notably that uh, Jan came to visit him in the dressing room before he started. Oh, right. And, uh, she had a little thing behind her back and she dabbed it on the spot on his arm. So like it was a little bit of blood. So when he inevitably scratched again, he has blood on his fingers and notices it and it gives right, it right. Him out a bit. It's a very it's a very Macbeth thing, that blood. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, fair. It's straight out of Macbeth. It is Macbeth. Completely, yeah. It's it's a stage thing. Yeah. Um, uh, appropriate for an episode about stage people. Oh yeah, for sure. So basically, uh, so Inspector Ike's uh, uh, playing the role of the girl in this and saying like, "What did you do, Harry? What did you do? I am a. St- I've killed a man in cold blood." And they're like, oh. And his name is Harry last name. And everyone's just like, oh. it's I, like rolls that his moment, eyes. That moment is so funny. Cause like he's, he has like, he's already read it a couple times and he's refused to say anything. And then he's starting to get off on his big villainous monologue. And he starts repeating the lines from it earlier. Like, you think this is a game to me? You think this is uh, something like, this is my life. And finally he is like, he's, starting to really seem like he's feeling it and living in the moments. He's like, what yeah. did you do, Harry? I killed a man in cold blood. Right. And, and then, yeah, that's and then, says. yeah, he says his own name and everyone's like, Oh, 
hacky. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I was yeah. like, you ham. And he rolled in his eyes. I'm like, ah, oh, it's you jerk. And he goes on a little bit longer. <laughs> yeah. Um. He he mentions that like that the wife put him up to it, and she's like, no, you came to my house and confessed all these things. And he's like, well, you know what? There was a witness. And it's the old lady from the beginning who dropped the wallet. Because she needed to come back for her lucky umbrella. He didn't get the lucky umbrella back to her. Very sloppy, Harry. And and the old lady, of course, is able to testify against uh, the wife because that's who she saw. <laughs> so the, the way the deputy cop arrests the wife is great. <laughs> she taps this. She taps her other shoulder behind her and gets her to look at the other direction while he slaps the cuffs on her. Well, because, like, they're sitting next to each other yeah, in they're theater next, seats, yeah. which is also... It's like, you, you could have just slapped it on her, but it, it's a nice flourish to tap her on yeah. the shoulder first. Oh, yeah, for sure. And then it's like, now, Harry, why don't you just go ahead and turn off that video recorder? And he uh, looks, and the camera pans, and, of course... The handcuffs are on the video recorder. recorder, And then we cut to Inspector Ike with his champagne flute. With his champagne flute. And we freeze frame on Harry with his frown, like. Yeah. Yeah. Great. (laughs) Super good. Oh, man. So much fun. Yeah, just an absolute blast. Uh, and, and like, I would totally watch more of these. It's it's one of the like it's it's like that Zatoichi movie with Rutger Hauer that we watched. It's oh, like yeah. I, I wish this I, turned into a series. Yeah, I I don't want this to just be a one off thing. I want more of these. This is just a really fun, cozy little thing. Yeah, like 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 it feels. They do such a good job of making it feel like it is more than one thing. Like they they. You you can identify when something is a running gag from a series that you know never existed. Mm-hmm. Like like the, <laughs> the all the stuff with the diner and the food and I lost and, you my know, appetite. Course, yeah, the coughs, which I could have seen so many more of. I, I, like that that's really funny. <laughs> the arrest, like. I knew it was coming because I, I watched it the second time just before we recorded, and I mm-hmm. still burst out laughing when it's he so, made the so face. So funny, him making that face. And Ike's got like that smile, just that. That really comes like I won here, <laughs> champagne. Uh, yeah, just just really fun little uh, weird little ride. And it's like it's pretty short. It's like eighty four minutes, eighty three minutes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ike is incredibly charming. Oh, he he's so he's so lovable. Just so chill. <laughs> uh and and just the relaxed energy of it and uh the the decor, it does have all the tans and purples of the 70s even if like yeah. it doesn't really authentically look like a 70s show, but it has it captures the energy and it has sort of a a fun uh satirical version of it. Mhm. Mhm. <laughs> yeah, no, th- I loved this. I'm yeah. glad we watched this. Uh, 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 high recommend, uh, a lot of fun, and maybe, who knows, maybe they'll make more of these at some point. I hope so. I'd love to see more Inspector Ike. Mm-hmm. Just more of those arrests. Yeah, I mean, like, I'd totally go yeah, for an just, actual TV series of this. Yeah, it would be rad. Even just, like, I don't know, another short that's just more of these arrest montages. Mm-hmm. 
or even more words with Ike. I, I could do or, any of it. Yeah, they're all they're all great. I just want more of the this guy, these guys. Yeah, it's it's just uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, so, uh, any last thoughts on Inspector Ike before we head to our final section? I lost my appetite. <laughs> All right, well, uh, on to part three. Uh, and we're back for our third and final section where we talk about movies we've watched in the past week and decide what we're going to watch next week. Uh, so we've got uh, not as much as last week, but I think we've got kind of an interesting lineup this week. All right, what do we got? So first up is Man from Planet X, uh, which is a, a, a very early alien, like 50s alien sci-fi. It's from 1951. This is sort of a Poverty Row take on it. You know, a real low-budget studio, uh, kind of charmingly lo-fi, like really obvious uh, matte paintings. Like there's one matte painting of a tree that someone stands next to, and it's like... <laughs> that person is just standing in front of a painting of a tree and it's supposed to be outside. <laughs> uh, the, the alien is a little goofy looking. Uh, he's really not all that dangerous. He can't really communicate with people at all. He's kind of just constantly getting taken advantage of. Uh, he's kind of an ET in a way, a proto okay. ET. Uh, but uh, it, it's set on a remote foggy Scottish Island, which is nice. Uh, got some atmosphere in it. Yeah, it's kind of fun. Right on. Uh, next up is No Resistance, which is a shot on video thing from uh, 94 or 95. Uh, and we follow Deej, who is a master hacker in a oh uh, <laughs> uh, near a cyberpunk near future, although it's just 90s Houston. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, he's doing, you know, random hacking jobs. Uh, but he he gets roped in against his will into this plot by a group of white supremacists to release this super virus. It, it's like a very complicated neo-noir plot in a way. He oh, just wants right. drugs. He, he's just trying to <laughs> score some drugs because he's a junkie. And yeah. that's sort of his whole thing. And like he gets infected with this virus and he does a bunch of drugs and it negates the virus ultimately <laughs> and saves him. Uh, it's It's fun. It's very you know ridiculous and over the top but it's it's uh, one of the better sov ones i've watched oh right on uh, uh, next, i'm looking mm. yeah sorry i'm just looking at the art the guy with the glasses kind of reminds me of uh phobe yeah it's it's sort of phobe-esque but it's it's at a little higher level of uh uh production than that because i mean okay. it, it is I mean, it's still a very independent production, but like you've got a little bit more in terms of uh, effects work and stuff. And yeah, Deej there with the glasses and the pink hairs is pretty fun. Cool, cool. Uh, next right up on. is uh, Voyage of the Rock Aliens. <laughs> this is right. an 80s, 80s picture. It's sort of a, a beach party throwback. You ever seen the beach party movies? No, I don't think I, I don't know if I have. I don't like think the, so. So the, I, I was talking a bit about them last week in terms of the one hit wonder thing. Like they, they were movies where it would be Frankie Avalon and Annette Funicello and they'd be on the beach and there'd be a bunch of sidekick characters and you'd have tons of cameos and some pop star would so, show up and sing a song. Oh, uh, like the jellyfish. Right, like the jellyfish. So this is sort of doing that kind of thing in the 80s, like doing a throwback of it with sci-fi horror elements. So it's sort of like trying to do the Rocky Horror thing as well. 
Okay. Uh, so it's there's five ripoff Devo aliens. <laughs> They're just new wave aliens, and they are clearly doing a Devo thing. They're in, uh, you know, big shoulder padded outfits. And they're in a giant guitar-shaped spaceship. And they sure. come to Earth in search of rock and roll, obviously. You know, oh, the, what the el- great what, rock and what roll else energy. Do you need? Yeah. And they get involved in basically a high school love affair, as well as a battle of the bands against this rockabilly asshole. <laughs> his, <laughs> you know, his Stray Cats-esque band. And, you know, he doesn't want his, his girlfriend to sing, and he's super jealous of her. So she gets to sing with this other band, and the the lead alien kind of falls in love with her. And, like, she kisses him, and he explodes and, like, pieces of him go everywhere. <laughs> and they have to, like run him through the machine to put him back together and like every time he like gets close to her he like threatens to explode again like he he starts like oh (laughs) better hold myself together uh it's it's super goofy uh it's very very heightened and ridiculous the songs are kind of terrible they're all just sort of show tuny knockoffs of other things like the opening themes like this is billy jane and there's another one like i know this devo song yeah (laughs) (laughs) right on uh, and meanwhile, it's got Michael Berryman from uh, The Hills Have Eyes, uh, you know, major horror uh, actor. And he plays a character called Chainsaw, who's an escape mental patient with a chainsaw. Of course. Of course. And it's a musical, it, like a full full on musical where people just stop and start singing songs in the middle of a scene. Oh, interesting. All right. Yeah. Uh, next up is Images in a Convent. Next nun movie. Uh, <laughs> um, so uh, the the box art on Letterboxd is uh, blurred out, but oh, this is another adult one. Yeah, this one is uh, blurred out in such a way that it just looks like a blurred out dick. <laughs> Let me see what it looks like here. Uh, so it's a cross, and there's a, a naked lady uh, sprawled on a bedspread, and then there's a nun at the top like it's it's a weird montage picture but um so this is the one by joe damato who did endgame uh it's right, probably right. the sleaziest one in the set or at least of the ones i've seen and it's also maybe my favorite because it's pretty funny okay so like the, the part that made me laugh the hardest is so it's this lady who does not want to be in a convent she is just totally not into it she's kind of here against her will she's hiding out Oh, kitty. Plum is unhappy. Plum does not want to be in a convent either. No. Uh, So, like, she's she's in this place against her will. She is not interested in religion, and she's just here because she's hiding out uh, for political reasons. And oh, like Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah, yeah. So uh, there's this whole scene where she's like, I, I am not going to wear that habit. And then we cut to her in the habit uh, and being introduced to the mother superior. And it's it's like this whole long slow burn scene of her not saying anything. And like she's introduced the all of the other nuns present are individually dismissed. And like the mother superior walks up to her and she greets her. And like through all of this, she's had her hands up. Uh, across her chest and she lowers them to reveal that even though she's wearing the full habit and uniform she's topless <laughs> her breasts what? are out so she's just like just totally straight faced like stone faced not a, a hint of like mischief in her eye she just drops the hands and like her breasts are out and I laughed so hard at it just like <laughs> like the slow burn of it and then like they took that long I laughed Oh, my God. Just absolutely incredible. But like the main plot is 
there's this evil devil statue on the premises and it i guess it sort of takes human form as this wounded dude who uh brings sex into uh the the convent and just he's this object of temptation just everyone gets really horny and there's a bunch of sex scenes right okay uh next up is the mob which is a canadian crime picture a neo-noir kind of thing uh, so it's this asshole small-time montreal gangster he's like a, a gambling racket guy right and he he takes a job putting a hit on a prominent new york boss uh Ooh, which, don't do that okay yeah not a great idea it doesn't go super great uh he's very soon being hunted down by people in the mob in montreal so like he's hiding out but he knows they're after him and he just calls a local radio talk show and he starts spilling secrets while they're closing in on him oh interesting it's pretty interesting uh very bloody uh very bleak uh but you know cool Uh, i like all the montreal locations it's cool stuff interesting that sounds cool yeah uh next up is tc2000 Oh, this is, an, this is another this Billy is Blanks the, movie. The year is 2020. The oh. year is 2020. It's the dystopian near future of 2020. Ah, uh, yes. In uh, the far-flung dystopian future of 1987. Yeah. It's so notably, it's the near future of 2020 where climate change has wreaked havoc and the rich have gone underground left everyone else to fend for themselves on the hot surface which is written with crime and stuff of course so it's really takes place in about 2030 yeah it's it's they're a little maybe 2035 so it's it's made in toronto it's mostly shot at university of toronto again like the billy blanks movie i talked about last week expect no mercy (laughs) uh billy blanks and uh, again jalal murray uh who's uh, a canadian actor uh, and Blanks is basically playing a security guard for the rich people, but and he's got a partner whose dad is a mad scientist, and she gets turned into like Lady Robocop, and they find out about this doom factory nearby <laughs> where there's like a, a virus that's going to just clear out the entire surface world so the rich can just like come back up and take over when uh, they need to. So they just want to k- kill everyone on the surface. Uh, and, you know, there's a ticking time bomb that the bad guys are going to get to that. The rich can't kill everyone on the surface. Who's going to do the work so that they can make the money? I don't really know. I they, they feel like they haven't planned ahead, but there's just like a few supervillains involved here. Oh, okay. uh, and just like warring gangs. And it's also just a really cheap direct-to-video <laughs> thing. Uh. Uh, starring Billy Blanks of Tybo fame. Oh, the uh, Tybo guy, right? Tybo. Uh, next up is The Hunter Will Get You, where uh, there's this mass murderer who he, he he's called The Hawk, uh, and he goes around looking for troubled young men who are, you know, uh, hard up for money or who are uh, prone to whatever, and he gets them to help him rob stores or banks. And then he kills everyone in the place, and then he kills the accomplice and just takes the money for himself. Because it's kind of more of a mass killing thing than a robbery thing, but he gets to do both, and they're both things that right, he really right. likes. You know? Well, it's like, I mean, if I'm going to kill a whole bunch of people, I might as well get paid. 
Yeah. Uh, and like his his regular day gig is he's an airline steward. So he's flying around a lot and he's able to do this in a bunch of different places oh. uh, and, or, and then just sort of disappear for a while after he does it. So they have to bring in Jean-Paul Belmondo as the hunter. Uh, and he's basically Craven the Hunter or a French version of Craven the Hunter. He's like a big game guy who, you know, that that's not interesting anymore. So now he wants to hunt men. Like, yeah, he'll work for the police, but he doesn't really care about the law or anybody's rules or any of that shit. He just wants to hunt this guy down. Yeah. And I take it the hunter gets him? The hunter after the hawk. Uh, I mean, it it takes a while, and and there's some casualties along the way. Cool. Uh, Yeah, it's it's quite interesting. Uh, You know, it's a solid French uh, crime movie. All right. I don't think we've done – oh, no, we've done – one or two French movies before. I think so. Not many. Yeah. Uh, next up is Jesus shows you the way to the highway. Uh, so I this is an, know how to get there, but I'm I'm, I'm I'm interested in Jesus's version. So this is an Afrofuturist film. Uh, an Ooh, Ethiopian. Okay, you've already movie. got me. Uh, you've already got me. But all right. So there's an Ethiopian movie. Uh, filmmaker Miguel Lanso. Uh, this is his second feature. I've talked about his previous one, Crumbs, before. Uh, it, this is set in a dystopian future, sort of, uh, and the, the main character is this guy who's working for CIA's psycho book program, uh, where it, it's sort of like a, a CIA brain experiment where they're jacked into a computer and uh, deal with viruses and like various AIs of uh, classic historical supervillains and like there's a, a rogue Soviet AI represented by Stalin, Stalin, an AI of Stalin who is right. seeping through into the real world because he's a virus. Like he has, he is an AI virus. And whenever they're in the psychobook program, it's portrayed in sort of stop motiony stuff, and they have like masks cut out of newspapers and stuff of like uh, various faces. Interesting. Uh, it, it's very collage There's a lot of really weird stuff. Like it's got a bit pop soundtrack, like 8-bit kind of uh, at times. There's uh, President Batman, who is <laughs> a dude in a Batman, like an Adam West Batman suit with the, the bat symbol just always blurred out. Like, you know, a mosaic blurred. Out, yeah, you know. yeah. <laughs> uh, there's Jesus showing up. He He's uh, hanging around. Uh, Jesus is drug dealing. He's dealing this... A uh, thing called the substance, which uh, is just this green goo that comes out of the CIA experiments. Uh, cool. President Batman executes him for that. Executes Jesus by uh, oh. breaking his neck. Uh, it, it's it's got kind of a similar energy to a Hollywood, but it, like uh, it's obviously at a higher level of budget in filmmaking. <laughs> just hearing all this random shit has kind of got me. Th- that's what ha- popped into my head too. It's yeah, it's got kind of that energy, uh, and you know, it's it's one that clearly has a little bit more uh, accessibility to movie making tools. Right, right. Yeah, interesting. Uh, and last up is Shock, uh, where uh, th- these this couple uh, moves into their the old house where uh, the the wife previously lived with her uh, former husband who is deceased he's a he, he was a junkie and he uh supposedly fell off a boat and drowned and then he came back all sticky oh Basically. wait no that's a yeah. oh really 
Well, yeah. He so they 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 move in, and the creepy kid uh, becomes possessed by the ghost of the dead dad, okay. and you know terrorizes the mom. There there's some real Oedipal stuff going on there that's uh, quite uh, uh, unvarnished. They 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 make. Uh, note of it and the stepdad is also gaslighting her and there's a whole giallo twist to it ultimately it sort of feels like very classic gothic like uh, it reminds me more of stuff like edgar Allan poe than uh, the modern stuff but you know it, it has the giallo flavors and it's clearly trading on the 70s satan exploitation wave like the this is this was made or this was also released as Beyond the Door 2, because uh, right. the first Beyond the Door was uh, like a very straight riff on Exorcist and Omen and stuff. And this has the same creepy kid. Like the, the creepy kid in Beyond the Door is also the creepy kid in this, like same actor, but he's just playing a different creepy kid. Okay. <laughs> he's just a real creepy kid. <laughs> nice, nice. Right on. Uh, so those are our uh, nine picks, I believe. They all sound interesting, actually. Yeah, there, there's some pretty solid ones this week, I think. Yeah, uh, but I think what I'm going to go with this time, uh, I'm really curious about that rock aliens. I, I got to go with Jesus something something highway. <laughs> Jesus shows you the way to the highway. Yeah, that's the All one. right. Yeah, that that uh, is an absolutely fascinating movie. Excellent. Okay, so uh, new additions. Uh, in uh, obviously, there is uh, the one we talked about earlier of um, uh, Eight Diagram Pole Fighter, uh, right, and yeah. as I said, I added Columbo, the pilot episode, Prescription Ooh. Murder. Ooh. Uh, so I won't be able to add all of the episodes to this list, but we'll have to keep in mind as we go through it. This is a series we can just. T- it's it's sort of perfect in this way that it's that sort of cozy series. It's like, you know what I feel like a Columbo. Mm-hmm. What's the next Columbo? I feel like that's sort of the best way to go about it. All right, all right. So the first episode, uh, there's a psychiatrist and he's having an affation. Uh, he's having an affair with one of his patients and they conspire to kill the wife. Obviously, Columbo is on the case. Mm. <laughs> Uh, and this one's really early. This this one's not fully on model. It's based on a play because it originally started as a play. Uh, okay. But yeah, and so uh, this one's like 1968, and then it's like three years later before they make the second TV movie. Cool, cool. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the only Columbo I've seen was the one where Leonard Nimoy's the killer. Right, and that's I think season two. So that's like maybe like ten episodes in. Okay. <clears throat> but they, you know it, you you get a feel for it it's it's that style cool uh, right on. Uh, next up is beyond the time barrier uh which is uh there's other in in this movie uh this guy's flying a super fast experimental jet he's an air force major and he's transported into the post-apocalyptic virus ravaged year of 2024 oh <laughs> <laughs> fuck uh and he's he's taken captive uh there's an underground city called the citadel uh the the surface is of course ravaged by mutants always yeah you know uh 50 sci-fi stuff poverty row 
Yeah. Next up, uh, we got nuns. We got nuns. We got nuns. Uh, True story (laughs) of the nun of Monza. Continuing the very popular nun series. Uh, (laughs) This is a Bruno Mattai and Claudio Fragasso joint. Okay. So uh, Shocking Dark. Remember we watched Shocking Dark? The Terminator aliens. Oh, yeah, yeah. Rip off. This is the same the sewers of venice or something exactly same yeah. director and writer claudio fregasso of troll too uh, okay okay yeah so it's them doing a nun movie uh the you know it's just it, apparently this one's just ultra sleazy it, it's more just about them having a lot of fun doing a ton of blasphemous stuff <laughs> which seems really in character to everything every interview i've seen with claudio fregasso so i think that'll be pretty fun and this one's based on a true story? Uh, true-ish. <laughs> true-ish, I think, okay. I think all of them have claimed to be based on true stories, but, like, their, oh, their well, relationship with their... Oh, yeah, their, their relationship with their source material is, uh, loose. <laughs> all right. Next up is Deadly Weapons. Uh, speaking of sleazy stuff, uh, this is a Doris Wishman movie. Kind of oh, a, oh, I was thinking like Kung Fu Deadly Weapons, but then I saw the poster. Then you see the poster uh, uh, starring one Chesty um, Morgan who uses her 73-inch bosom to uh, smother men to death. Uh, they, she, her, her boyfriend was a blackmailer, and he was blackmailing people in organized crime, and they obviously killed him. So she's going up to the mob, going after the mob with her deadly weapons. <laughs> <sighs> all right so that's the first in a doris wishman box set that just came out from agfa uh the the doris wishman twilight years uh, okay. i've never really actually seen any of her movies but i've been meaning to forever they uh you know weird sexploitation very very individual hmm. all right uh, next up is other music uh, this is a documentary about a very influential uh indie new york city record store uh, so like in the, the that peak area and the aughts to the market just kind of falling apart uh, and so it's through to the closure of the store. OK, so like an interesting window into that scene, because a lot of important New York bands played there in that time. So you got a lot of interviews with those bands and stuff and kind of a, a look back in at the indie music scene of the aughts, which I was just very deep into. I worked in a record store in that period, so right, a very yeah. me kind of thing. <laughs> cool. Right on. Uh, next up is The Outsider. Uh, this is another Jean-Paul Belmondo movie uh, where he's an undercover detective in a drug smuggling ring and uh, the leader of the ring is Henry Silva uh, who he was the alligator hunter in alligator. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got a score by Ennio Morricone. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, next girls night out where uh, some girls on an all night scavenger hunt are attacked by someone in a big bear mascot costume, which has oh, razor sharp claws. Oh, of course it does. Yeah. <laughs> right. And on. last edition is A Day of Judgment, which is uh, fascinatingly a an early slasher, a, a regional, rural, actually Christian slasher. Oh. So like it's it's uh, a small town slasher, and it, like 
it's about like maybe the devil or the reaper coming into a sinful 1930s town and just casting bloody judgment. So the slasher is technically the good guy, I guess, in this. Cool. (laughs) I I see the tagline is the night he came to collect his own. I'm like, "Hmm." yeah, sounds like you're referencing something there. Yeah, might be. Might be. Uh, so, yeah, uh, a few interesting additions. Uh, what do you figure for our main feature next week? Well, um, I've gone back into the top more rows a little bit and started looking into like looking at the descriptions of what's there, mm-hmm. because even though you'll tell me every time I ask, I'll forget by the time we get to it next. Mm-hmm. Uh, so black test car looks interesting about how uh, I see two car manufacturers are spying on each other. Yeah, corporate uh, espionage in Japan thing in post-war, kind of the the, the uh, economic miracle period. Okay, so so is this like a spy kind of movie or spy-ish? No, it's it's more of a corporate thing. So it's it's more of a, about like uh, I, there, there's another one I watched quite a while back called Giants and Toys that's by the same director and it's about a war between two candy companies, uh, and okay. it's the same sort of thing where it's just like it's about the capitalist competition and the corporate business world. Uh, of 60s japan Hmm, hmm, all right uh the other one i was looking at is uh saboteur the the alfred hitchcock one which i didn't realize he started in 1942 oh he started way earlier than that holy shit uh uh, hitchcock started in the silent era he he came up in like the 20s why did i think he was around in the 70s he he still was. Uh, oh, he, that's he had a very long okay. career. Uh, so like his best known stuff was uh, pretty much 50s and 60s. I mean, maybe 40s through 60s. Like he had a pretty long peak. He was kind of at the top for quite a while uh, commercially because uh, like Vertigo is is 50s. You got Psycho okay. in 1960. So so he's the one who like his movies start where it's like a silhouette of him walks by. Uh, it's not that really. Like, that was his TV show, Alfred okay, Hitchcock cause, Presents. Because that's actually what the uh, the Inspector Ike entrance right. made me think of. Yeah, it, it definitely was referencing the Alfred Hitchcock show opening. Oh, so that so that's the show. That's not his. Yeah, he he know. had a TV series where like it was kind of like uh, Twilight Zone or Night Gallery, oh, okay. where he'd come out and introduce it, like tonight's macabre entry. <laughs> that sounds fun. Yeah, he does a cameo in all of his movies. He was kind of like the director who pioneered that. Well, this one is about an aircraft factory worker who flees across the U.S. after wrongfully being accused of starting the fire that killed his best friend. Yeah, so it's a uh, a 40s uh, wrong man movie, you know, a, a man on the run. A classic Hitchcock thing is the the wrongly accused uh, wrongly accused man. I didn't kill him. I don't care. Yep. See, the, Hitchcock was the master of that trope. That was like his oh, big nice. thing. All right. Well, I don't think I've seen any Hitchcock before. All right. Um, so let's do that. Okay. Cool. Get get into one of my fundamentals. I grew up on Hitchcock. one of the first uh, classic Hollywood directors that I really. Uh, got into and just like rented all of his movies from the video store. Oh, cool. Uh, so yeah, this, this one's a fun one. Uh, it's, you know, from the forties. So it's during world war two. So it's a little propaganda. E, but well, yeah. you know, it's, 
it's all set directly within like Southern California. So like it's it's not during it's not actually depicting anything in war. It's just uh, people uh, like home attitudes at the time, I guess, more than anything. Oh, yeah. Uh, All the paranoia that's going around. Yeah. Like anything made in that period, even if it's not a war movie, is going to the war's there, whether the movie is about it or not. Yeah, well, the, the musicals uh, tended to avoid it, but not much else. Well, yeah, well, yeah, I guess, and I guess you could avoid it if you wanted to make it something in a period piece, or just want to pretend it didn't happen. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I don't know. It's Saboteur. There. I'm sabotaging yes. my own jokes. Yeah, there we go. So uh, next week we'll be discussing uh, Saboteur and Jesus Shows You the Way to the Highway, two uh, very, very different pieces of work. Uh, <laughs> any, uh, yeah, any, any last thoughts before we close up? Yeah, I want some chili. Mmm, some good chili. Uh, all right, well, uh, thanks so much, everybody, for listening. Uh, the podcast is ending right about now. <laughs>